Hon. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It really is cold outside. <laughs> I think you need to sort of put on extra thermals today and a scarf. So Russell Brand has erupted in rage as a TV reporter asks a fairly straightforward question. You know, how much money do you pay for your rent? I'm not here to talk about that, goes the nastiest person in the business. Yes, silly little Russell Brand. Honestly, why we give him time, I can't imagine. The fraudsters who target the elderly with the bogus phone calls. The VC which is sold for £200,000. The money, as I said the other day, far more important to these families. It's very nice to have a VC, but uh, you can go to the Imperial War Museum, see as many as you like. Uh, Stephen Hawkins has warned artificial intelligence could wipe out the human race and the girl who's outdone J.K. Rowling. Plus, the only DNA is Essex. That and more on LBC this morning. Plus, I'm in a particularly good mood. I don't know why I'm in a particularly good mood. Uh, we've got... Oh, and also, um, Alastair McGowan needs your help today. It's if you're a green person, not a colour green, that would be from another planet, wouldn't it? This is a person who sort of has done something. You can either nominate somebody, there's a prize up for, there's £500 up for grabs, but you've got to get your skates on. I'll give you all the details a little bit later on this morning. Uh, Furious Jimmy Bullard has accused Armour celebrity bosses of fixing the show to make him look like a bully. They don't need to fix it. All they do is they just put your sort of stuff on there. You said all this stuff. You know, I'm sure he's absolutely charming. I'm sure he's absolutely lovely. But they don't need to actually do it. People people do it for themselves. Oh, also, uh, Nadia Ford's gone. Bye. See you. Go back where you came from, which is the Nowhere Agency. And uh, she said uh, she even took a lucky green bikini in. Didn't help, dear. You're a boring little nobody. Very dull. Glad we got rid of you. So that was good. Who's going to be next? I don't know. Edwina Curry's looking a bit unsafe at the moment. A little bit shaky. Uh, Freezy does it, folks. Winter set to blast in. Snow, they say, sweeping south. That'll that'll bugger up Christmas, won't it, for a lot of people, if we do, in fact, have snow, because it makes driving... I mean, whilst it's very pretty, if you're sitting in there... And I bought the other day the Downton Abbey Christmas album, and it's got some beautiful photographs in of Downton Abbey, which is high clear, as you know, uh, surrounded by snow. It just looks so pretty, with a just a completely black sky, with just, you know, the stars in it. It just looks gorgeous. It really does. It's just one of the... That's the, that's the picture for me. That's the quintessentially English picture of snow. Not cars piled up by the side of the motorway and bodies hanging out of car windows, which is, of course, the stark reality, because people will go out there, they will drink. Uh, people who've never seen snow before will be driving here. And they've got no idea just how dangerous and how slippy-slidey the roads are. Most of the main motorways, hopefully will be gritted in time for Christmas, and I'm hoping that the local councils are all up to speed. Funerals taking place, incidentally, of Philip Hughes. So sad. It really is so sad. There's a lot of very sad people in that congregation for his, uh, for his funeral, which is taking place at the moment. Uh, people complaining about Madonna's boobs. Are they real, or are they, uh, are they like gazers? To be honest with you, if they are real, they're the most peculiar ones I've ever seen. Not that I'm speaking from too much experience, but uh, they just didn't look real yesterday. We said that, didn't we? They sort of they looked a bit rouged. <laughs> Mario Balotelli has apologised for his racist post. You stupid little man. What a silly little boy he is. And uh, and then, you know, because people sort of jumped on... He apparently been on a boozing session. Big surprise there. What is it with thick footballers? Because he then tweets afterwards, My mum is Jewish, so all of you shut up, please. What's that got to do with it? What's that got to do with it? Nothing at all to do with it. So, um, 
because th- this is after he branded Jews as money-grabbing. What's got to do with the fact your mother's Jewish? What's that got to do with it? Why does that come into it? Doesn't come into it at all. Nothing worse than sort of, you know, pathetically excusable footballers who've got no idea of how the real world works. And so he's had to issue a grovelling apology, as indeed he should do. Man with silly haircut makes stupid comments. A bit like Russell Brown, isn't it? That's a big one. My Jove, I tell you. A, we haven't found one of these before, have we? Well, not for a while. What do you do, hunt around the building for it? I like it when you go foraging. No telling what you come back with. Uh, Ed Sheeran was out the other night. I don't know why we're excited over the, um, the Victoria's Secret Angels. It's a group of girls who take their clothes off for a living. They model underwear. All of a sudden, we're going... I mean, I've known about Victoria's Secret for, for ages, why it would make a difference. Are they, were they the only thing happening in town? Ed Sheeran, though, you can't wipe the smile off his face. He looks so funny. He's in the middle of these people, who in their heels, of course, look fairly, you know, fairly sort of tall and statuesque next to him. He's like, hello, I'm Ed Sheeran. I love you all. <laughs> it's such a funny picture. It is such a funny picture. But uh, the off-the-record... Uh, James Carbuta and Annabelle Lees in the Daily Star today have just done a whole page on it. See if anybody's interested. I mean, who gives a flying forex? So it's some models in from America. Big deal. Big deal. Um, the producer, of course, likes it. But there again, he's made. He's already nailed his colours to the mast on more than one occasion. And what a mast. But uh, what colours? And so he liked it. He likes it. It's just, it's just the look on Ed Sheeran's face. It is almost like somebody's thrown him in the middle of a Roman orgy and gone, take your pick. It is a bit like that. It's it's this. It's such a funny picture, such a funny picture. Uh, what else do we have in the papers today? I was trying to think of something because I left it. What did I do yesterday? Oh, I did Alistair McGowan yesterday, and that's what I'm going to tell you about what he's involved with. Are we going to run that this weekend? Okay, with Harry Hill, we've we, we've made an editorial decision and turned things around. He's also he's very green. Alistair McGowan is so green, he makes me look pink. Seriously, I mean, he's, he's more green than I could ever imagine. He recycles. He's very, 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 very good at recycling. So much so that when we finished the interview, he then had to scoot off to a studio to do some more interviews. And uh, he left his plastic mug there. And so we left the studio, went, oh, went back inside, picked up the mug. I said, oh, don't worry about that. I'll throw it in the bin here. We've got recycling bins. He said, no, 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 I'll take it with me. I said, oh, he said, I can use it again. He only buys razor blades. He doesn't use the plastic razor blades. He said, I just buy the razor blades so you're throwing away as little as possible. He's very good. He's really very, very good. Very, very good indeed. In fact, so much better than me. I'm absolutely blooming useless, I'm afraid. Useless. I've noticed Victoria Beckham, she's pictured here with with Davy Boy, that's the husband, and with Kylie Minogue. And you know Kylie Minogue's not exactly the tallest. And exactly the same expression on... On Victoria's face. In fact, she looks like she's wearing the same outfit. Exactly the same expression. She's only got the one expression. She thinks she looks sultry and sexy. But, of course, because she's ageing fast, she's frightened to smile. Because that's going to give her lines. And she doesn't want lines. She wants to hang on to her her sort of youth as long as possible. She's uh, she's 39. Good God. No, Bex is 39. I don't know how old she is, actually. Isn't she roughly about the same thing? Anyway, she's admitted she's a pain in the rear end which is um, <laughs> something that everybody knew for years and years. But that's it, isn't it? I mean, she's having a laugh with all the Spice Girls because, oops, sorry, out of all of them, she's the most successful. She's the most successful Spice Girl. 
And she was the one who nobody gave a forex for. They were all sort of saying, oh, she's never going to make it. She's never going to make it. They reckon that her and her husband are worth about 380 million. I think that's grossly exaggerated. I don't think they're worth anything like that at all. I think, if anything, um, probably. Because her, her company, the, the clothes, they're doing well, but they're not, she's not grossing like 100 million a year. So it's nowhere near. They say the joint wealth, I would think you'd be more likely something like 100 something million. But that could be all sorts of things. Yeah, oh, boo-hoo us. But, you know, 380 million, no. He's always been far more successful. And um, they, they, they now say she's worth 300 million. No, she's absolutely not. Absolutely not. Nowhere near that. They always overhype it, don't they? You know, for years we had the poor old Katie Price. You know, she's worth 35, 40 million. No, she's not. She's absolutely not. She's worth probably nearer four to five. And that's it. You know, if you said to somebody, how much cash can you get your hands on? Most of hers are probably tied up in the post office savings bank, I would think. 84850, uk, And uh, we shall weave everything in on the programme this morning. And uh, somebody says, I can't believe the Lee Rigby killers have been given an appeal on their sentences. They've already tried that once, haven't they? I think, to be honest with you, a hanging would have been too good. I seriously, I mean, that's just my gut reaction. That is just my gut reaction. You know, when you see what they actually did... And uh, and you think just the first thing I thought was you're mentally ill. This is not normal behaviour by anybody, you know, fit for purpose in this country, in this land, anything at all. You know, all this crap that they give you about it's you know it's God's work. It's just utter balderdash. I'm afraid I'm like the majority of other people. If we'd had the hanging thing in it, I'd have pulled the trap open myself. Couldn't care less. You can go straight to hell and burn, as far as I'm concerned. I have no interest in these people whatsoever. So when they start appealing, you think to yourself, unfortunately, you're not. It's like the Madeleine McCann story. Now they're quizzing British police, you know, having spent £8 million and still getting nowhere near. They're quizzing a British paedophile in a Malta prison. Can somebody tell me exactly why we think she's been taken by a paedophile? Where did this one start? I mean, I quite understand it could be a possibility, but isn't it just as likely she's been taken by a mother who wanted a child or a family who wanted a child? Why does it have to be a paedophile? You know, because they, they, they've been barking up the wrong tree for so many years now. They were told about this lake. Has anybody done anything in the lake? No, nope, nothing at all. Nothing at all. You know, so they just keep the headlines going and we spend yet more millions going nowhere, going absolutely nowhere. Somebody wrote to me the other day and said it's desperately sad... For the parents, and of course it is absolutely desperately sad. What about all the other kids who go missing? Desperately sad for their parents, isn't it? Desperately sad, I bet they'd all love £8 million spent. £8 million, I can't believe it. I cannot believe it. But uh, the reason they're investigating this paedophile is because apparently he bragged about being in Portugal around the time Maddie vanished. And that makes him a suspect, does it? God, the police force must be really scraping some barrels out there. Um, who we got here? Oh, this is uh, Jimmy Bullard's love of banter. Ultimately cut short his time when I'm a celebrity. And also the fact that, you know, to be brutally honest with you, nobody knew who he was. Seriously, I had no idea. I mean, I've been in the world of celebrity for the best part of 40 years. Uh, <coughs> 42 years. And, um, and I'd never heard of him either, because he's a footballer. And as I don't follow football, it doesn't really help, does it? It doesn't, uh, doesn't make any difference to somebody I'd heard of most of them. Nadia Ford never heard of, but there again, nobody would ever heard of Nadia Ford. You know, we've heard of Edwina Curry, and I'd never heard of Carl Fogarty. You know, so it, I think this is possibly the worst I'm a celebrity. Anton Deck, I really want to make Anton Deck eat these bush tucker trials. I want to hold them down and force feed them witchetty grubs. 
I really do. Why should they laugh at other people's misfortune and misery? But there again, I suppose, they are, uh, they are doing it for, uh, for money. It's the only reason all these celebrities are in there. Melanie Sykes is definitely doing it for the money. Apparently last year, she, uh, she was way down in her earnings. I think she was down 30 grand, uh, because basically her career's finished. You know, it's very sweet to see her on the television. But the thing that makes me laugh, and I never quite understand, somebody appears on the television, okay, and they appear on, say, either this morning or whatever it happens to be, and they do some presenting, and then, and then they decide to change them and they go for somebody else. And then they start bleating on about it. You think, what, what, just because you've only ever worked in television, you think that's where your career is. No, look at Christine, poor old Bleakley. Hi, you. Dreadful presenter. I mean, absolutely dreadful. Patronising, insincere, sugary, saccharine like a little oil slick all by herself. Apart from that, she's fantastic. You know, I mean, she really is. You know, she looks the part, she just can't present. And that's why, gradually, her work has gone down, 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 down. You know, stay at home, darling. Do knit. It's like Anthea Turner. When you watch Princess Tippy-Toes trying to do the papers on Sky News, I, my heart bleeds. They must be so bloody desperate down there as to book her for anything. What does she know? She's a former Blue Peter presenter who made Tracy Island. That is her claim to fame. And when she went out with the Radio 1 DJ, in fact, she went out with quite a few Radio 1 DJs, and, uh, and then she started being like that. Oh, ghastly. Ghastly. Those sort of um, plastic presenters. There's a f- quite a few on the BBC. They've got lots of plastic presenters. But poor old Christine Bleakley, you know, the proof of the pudding was in the eating. She was taken from the one show onto Daybreak or whatever it was, and the public switched off in droves. They couldn't stand her. It's not just me telling you a fact. They, you know, she just doesn't rate. I don't know why they bother using her. And Melanie Sykes, I mean, her little candle blew out years ago. Look at me being all bitter at this time of the morning. It's, not, it's unbelievable, isn't it? How can you be this bitter at this time of the morning? Answer, three chocolate coins. 17 minutes past four. This is LBC. Steve Allen on LBC. It's very interesting. The producer Will was just telling me that uh, there's there's another radio station in this building. There's quite a few other radio stations in this building, but one of them in particular does a thing looking back at uh, television and reality shows and whatever it happens to be, and the names in the frames. You know, the people who years ago were on the reality shows, they've all but disappeared. Because I think what happens is television, as we all know, has a shelf life. And if you don't rate on television, same as on radio, if you don't rate, there's no point in keeping you. I always, I said to my boss years and years ago, I said, the day that I don't pull an audience is the day you've got to let me go. No matter how much you like me, you know, somebody's obviously got a shelf life on the radio or on and, and television as well, because it's very unforgiving. You could see if somebody's being false on the television. And there's so many of them. I mean, I was, I was watching a thing the other day. I was watching this London Live well, it's like watching hospital radio, but for television. It's roughly the same kind of thing. It really is ghastly. You know, they're doing their best, and it's very sweet, and they've got it. But it's like they've got, do you want to be a TV presenter? And they put them on there. They've got the most awful people presenting. But that's their business, you know. But they're in the business of getting an audience. And if you cannot get an audience, they have to let you go. So when we moved Christine Bleakley, hi you, over from the BBC, she'd never rated at the BBC. She'd never rated. It was... You know, it was one of those situations where they went, she's on the one show, she's very popular, so they move her over. And then they suddenly realised that, of course, everybody on the BBC gets loads of coverage because the BBC look after them. I mean, to be honest, to be brutally honest with you, if only there was a book that you could pre-order 
that told you about how to become a celebrity, you know, and took advice from somebody who's been in the business. I mean, if only such a book existed, ladies and gentlemen. If only somebody had had the foresight to write a book called So You Want to Be a Celebrity and you could pre-order it on Amazon, that would be the trick. That would be the best thing, wouldn't it? You could actually go out and get a little book on how to be a celebrity. If only it was possible. Amazon.co.uk. Pre-order comes out 8th of January. Anyway, I just thought I'd mention that very quickly now. Only for the simple reason that it is a very transient business. People come in. I've seen people here over the years. Over the years, LBC. I mean, when I look at television and I look at, you know, the way it's changed. Over the years, LBC has had every celebrity presenting programmes on it. Seriously, I mean, it's, it's, it's been, sometimes we've been awash with celebrities. The, the difference is they're there for a short period of time. They don't last because they go, oh, it's actually quite tough doing a radio programme. And I can tell you this for a fact, over the years, I've worked with a number of people, one in particular who was very accomplished, and the producer on her first week gave her on the Friday a pile of books. He gave her four, four books, and she went, what are they for? And he went, uh, that's who you're interviewing next week. She said, what am I supposed to do with them? He said, you're supposed to read them. And she went, oh, I don't read books. That was it. She left. She left on that Friday. It was really odd. And I knew other, other, other presenters here who never ever read the books. They got the producer to read the book and write all the questions. Well, unless you know something about it, you can't do it. You've got to invest. You've got to put, put something into it. And you've got to kind of make the best of it. So when you put Christine Bleakley on, and I'd hate to use her, but, you know, she had her time on television. They use her occasionally. When I watched her with Philip Schofield and he was doing his 24-hour marathon, she was just so... So false, so cheesy, so can't you just present normally? Does it have to be, oh, smiley, smiley, Carol, smiley kind of situation? You don't want that kind of thing. God, if only that book was out there now, time to tell people how to be a celebrity. If only it was available. I wonder what the pre-orders are now. Probably quite good, I should imagine. Seem to have done a few. But it's, it's interesting that what does everybody want to be now? They want to be on television. And it doesn't last on television. It really doesn't. You should take it for what it is, for while it's there, invest the money as quickly as possible, because sooner or later it disappears, and then where do you go? You come to radio. Once people come to radio, you know, you can either do it or you can't do it. And I've seen lots of people go, oh, it's so easy what you do. So easy. You just sit down and just chatter away, and you go, okay, you do it. You do it. Might do it for one show. Might do it for two shows. You won't do it any longer than that. Uh, For some reason... The uh, the Daily Mirror today have done a uh, a piece on uh, Matt Goss. I don't want to repeat my Matt Goss story again, but uh, sufficient to say that Matt Goss appears to have grown hair. I don't know where that's come from, because uh, they say here the good-looking guy on stage at Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas appears to have it all. He's not on stage at Caesar's Palace. He's in he's in Cleopatra's barge. It's a piddly, tiny little thing. Nothing to do with the main arena. They have the big headline acts there. He's the cheap bit, you know, with the with the sort of the uh, the raunchy dancers. Producer would like this actually. The raunch and you pay for it. You pay sitting there listening to somebody who hasn't got an original song in his head, apart from still doing the hits. When will I be famous? And we all ask that question. But he's doing Sinatra stuff, and they now call him, you know, king of the king of swing. In Vegas. There's tons of them doing it. Absolutely tons of them doing it. But uh, he talks about his mum today. You know, and I can't knock him for that. But it's just, he's... I remember when he came on Five's Company years and years ago, he wouldn't take his hat off. He had all his makeup done in his room and everything else. He was slightly living in a peculiar little dream world because bros were huge. They were absolutely enormous. Three of them, I can remember, you know, because bros love you, yeah. Everybody used to lampoon them. Everybody used to take the mickey out of them. And Matt and his brother, Luke... And uh, they went through a period of not talking, but that's what happens, isn't it, when you get 
you get twins, they don't talk to each other and they fall out. Um, whether they're talking now, I don't know. He fell out with everybody, Matt. He was just one of those people. He had a nasty little side to him that nobody ever saw. That when he had a few drinks, it kind of manifested itself. And um, so he... T- I don't know if he's got a girlfriend. I don't know. If- I don't know anything about him at all. I know nothing about him. I just know he's working in the gossy, the gossy room, which they've called it. Slightly odd, because most of the people who go to see him don't know who he is. They've got no idea. And he's been there for a few years now. And uh, he was with uh, Tom Watkins. Unfortunately, I think there was a book that came out... And it was called I Owe You Nothing, because they went, they went belly up. They thought that uh, they were going to earn lots and lots of money. If they made a million dollars, the agent got 20% and they got 80%. But, of course, it didn't work out like that, because, as in all these cases, and I've tried to explain it before to people, it doesn't, it, it, it's not an easy thing. But if somebody says to you, I'm going to give you a million dollars as a recording artist, and you go, wow, I've got a million dollars, I can now go, or a million pounds, or whatever it happens to be, I can now go and do anything I want, and you go, well, you can, yes, you can. But uh, just remember, every single thing you do, every taxi, every photo session, comes out of that pot, out of that million-pound pot. The making of your album comes out of that pot. Every Every item of clothing that you buy comes out of that pot. And that's how it works. And so gradually your pot goes smaller, 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 smaller. So Bross were making all this money and they thought they could go and spend it. Well, of course, they couldn't. They ended up going belly up to the tune of about £500,000 and they had to sell everything. But, you know, that's the nature of the business. They behave like idiots and uh, nobody explained it to them because they came from church. So they thought they knew it all. Dead cocky. Dead cocky. But it came with an edge. Came with an edge. And so now, here is Matt with somebody else's hair stuck on his head by the look of it, because he certainly didn't have any hair before. And then all of a sudden, he's got this sort of black hair. I'd like to see that close up, because you know in Las Vegas, nobody wants to age. And it's true. He's very good looking. He's very good looking. Although, actually, we've got somebody in this building who looks almost the spitting image of Matt Goss. The spitting image of him. He doesn't work for this station, he works for one of our sister stations. And uh, it's very interesting. If I look at this picture, he looks very similar. But he comes on stage with a hat, but all of a sudden he's got, he's got brown hair. Whereas you know that they were blonde. Now, I think they were bleached blonde. He's over here to play the Palladium, I think, uh, in uh, January. And that's sold out, so that'll be good. But, of course, there's always seats available. And it's very interesting that when you look at the rise and fall and then sort of semi-rise again. So he's been in Vegas for ages. I think he'd love to come back here. He hinted that last time. But I just don't think there's anything for him over here. He's a, he's a throwback to the 80s and the 90s. And I don't know what you do with somebody like that. In the same way that you've got Melanie Sykes, so she's in the jungle. And you think, do you seriously think that people are going to see you and go, oh, I think we're going to give you a mainstream programme on television. It doesn't work like that. I wish it did. It'd be so much easier, wouldn't it? You could put somebody on there and go, yeah, you're funny. Edwina Curry, you should definitely be on Loose Women. In fact, she should be on Loose Women because she's very good. She's very good. She knows what she's talking about. She's intelligent. She's sort of the better-looking version of Anne Whittacombe. Anne Whittacombe, you know, doesn't have the looks, but she's got the intelligence that goes with it. It's just that, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't have the word people-friendly written all over her, which is a shame because you want her to. She makes an awful lot of sense. It's just that Edwina Curry's a bit more feisty. I like her a lot. I'd be more than happy to see Edwina Curry back on the Loose Women panel. I think she'd be very good at it. Very, very good at it. 84850, steve at uk. Uh, Natalie says, Susanna Reid is the most insincere, false, awful presenter. Because what it is, they, they sort of, they think that they have to sit there and somebody goes, oh, you're really good, you're really good. You know, that's, 
and you'd go, why are you believing this? Why are you believing it? You know, every time my, my boss says to me, he says, oh, fantastic, audience figures up, I go, listen, it's lovely, but they go up, they go down, they go sideways, they level out. It can be all sorts of things. You know, you don't get carried away with it. Ugh, Will and Joe are in Notting Hill tidying up. When you say tidying up, do you mean road sweeping? I don't know what tidying up is. Or tidy, are you tidying up your bedrooms? <laughs> uh, not bothered by Brand's finger pointing, but he put a hand on the reporter's shoulder. Intimidation of one with no arguments, says Ian. Yes, I mean, I, th- I just find Russell Brand very intimidating. I don't like him at all. I don't like it. Sorry, who's that? Oh, look. Oh, it's Alistair McGowan. Talking about WWF, which I shall tell you about in a moment. But we do take all your texts and emails. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Kevin the Kent Milkman. Have you seen Terry Pratchett's The Hogfather? David Jason and Michelle Dockery from Downton. Good Christmas DVD. I do love a good Christmas DVD. Uh, The time now is 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Well, you're very nice to be company. 27 minutes to five. Uh, Jerry says, did you hear Christos saying that his show is the biggest audience share of all the shows at LBC? It did surprise me, as I thought you were more popular. Perhaps audience share is different to audience size. It is. It's completely different. Completely different. You can have a very small audience, but a very big share. You know, so it's little fish, big pond, big fish, little pond. That kind of syndrome. So, so, Saturday nights. Quietest time for radio. Really? Saturday night. Sunday night on LBC is huge between 9 and 10. I can tell you that for a fact. But no, audience share is completely different to audience size. I mean, I have a huge share at this time of the morning. And also a very healthy-sized audience as well. Because, every, because London is a 24-hour city and because people are listening around the country as well. It's, uh, and there's nothing like this on the radio. You know, if you want to listen to Mantovani. I'll tell you what I tuned into the other day. I was uh, Andre Ryu on YouTube. Have you ever seen Andre Ryu? He, he plays violin and all his orchestra, sort of women in, you know, huge dresses and stuff like that. And he obviously was in Australia. Might have been doing Sydney. And he had the whole crowd singing Walsing Matilda. It was, <laughs> it was quite moving, actually. I quite liked it. So I then checked him out in a few other things. By the time you watched the third one, I was a bit bored with him. But uh, the first one, the Walsing Matilda, it was, ju- it was just great. It was really good fun. I love stuff like that. I'm very big into community singing. I could have been a, been a community singer. I really could. Mike Tyndall is going to appear on Channel 4's The Jump. God, how desperate is he? Perhaps he hasn't got any work. How embarrassing. Married to a member of the royal family, Zara Phillips, and he's appearing on a reality show. Oh, my God, it's the dumbing down, isn't it? Uh, he's 36. He'll compete against other celebrities in the ski jump challenge. You remember how bad it was before? Look at the dumbos that they put in it before. Some really dreadful people. You remember, though, of course, I mean, uh, I think Nikki Clark's been in it. Uh, Sunita has been in it. And so it's going to be filmed in Innsbruck, because it has to be filmed somewhere. Uh, Somebody says it's a real coup for Channel 4. Why? 90% of the country aren't remotely interested. Why would he be a coup for the royal family? Sorry, a coup for Channel 4. Are they that desperate to brown-nose the royal family? I think it's immensely sad. You ask people out on the street, hello, you, who's Mike Tyndall? They won't know. No, I didn't. Married to Zara Phillips. Who? Princess Anne's daughter, you know, the one who show jumps. Oh, right. And that's apparently a big coup for Channel 4. They've said here they've had to pay a lot of money, but they think it's a good investment. What for? They go, he's a member of the royal family. No, he's not. He's a commoner. He might be in the royal family at the moment, but he's still a commoner. Why would that be a coup? I never understand why they say that. I can only assume it's the agents who try and put it out to make, you know... I mean, let's face it, he's not been... Perhaps he'll be doing I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here next year. Perhaps he's done one of them. He might have to do a few more. Obviously, he's got no work, poor soul. I feel a bit sorry for him now, actually. But never mind. Um, What else have we got in the papers for today? It's all actually talking about... 
Um, this is the YouTube Brit Stars record first book sale, a novel by Zoella. She sold 78,000 copies last week, more than early sales of the first books of E.L. James, J.K. Rowling and Dan Brown. Um, she's Zoe Such. Do you think she actually wrote it, or do you think it's been ghosted for her? She says, it's been so exciting, and this for sure is the icing on the cake. Uh, the novel tells the story of Penny, a teenager who blogs about her hidden feelings on friendship, boys and anxieties. In other words, it's her, isn't it? I mean, hardly a novel, dear. It sounds like an autobiography. But quite funny. Jane Moore says, for mercy's sake, and ours, do give it a rest, Madge. Yes, Madonna getting her bits out again. Exactly. Put them away, dear. It's not big and it's not clever. And she says, we already know you have the big boobies, and at 56 they are indeed age and gravity defy, but enough already. Uh, this week, the Queen of Pop, featured in the latest issue of Interview magazine, dressed in stockings and suspenders, yada, 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 yawn, and, uh, and with her peachy, perfect and undoubtedly airbrushed assets on display. Apparently it's all for the art issue. Oh, that's all right then, says Jane Moore. As my children scatter in different directions, if I so much as sing in public, one wonders what effect these candid shots will have on her four youngsters. But that aside, the timing of their release is a highly questionable one too. Because uh, earlier this week, Madonna hit the news for her visit to Malawi, home of her adopted son and daughter, David and Mercy, where she's just been named Goodwill Ambassador for Child Welfare. How lovely. And then she gets her boobs out. Fantastic. I mean, it's, you have to worry about the sanity of the poor woman. Perhaps she's just desperately attention-seeking. Desperately attention-seeking Madonna, I suppose. Uh, having sat alongside Linda Gray, says Jane, I was able to inspect her enviable beauty face very closely indeed, and I can confirm that it moves freely, has lines in all the usual places, and bears no hints of the Bride of Wildenstein look. Sickening, isn't it, really? 74, she can look that good. I think, but Ronnie Corbett is going to be 80, what is it, 84, 85 tomorrow? Something like that? Fantastic. You know, the little man shows no sign of, uh, of slowing down at all. No sign of slowing down. And uh, people are now saying, give him a knighthood. He's been in the business. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> Just go and download my, uh, my interview with him. Uh, opening tonight is Catherine and Ketar uh, of the Doha Players Annual Panto. I'm playing Tink and my boys are playing the Lost Boys. It's the 30th year of Panto here in Doha. We've worked so hard to get to opening night. I'm as sick as a dog with a chest infection, so we need all the luck we can get. Hopefully, I'll get through my scenes without coughing. Oh, don't. It's, all, it's affecting people round here, actually. A lot of people round here. Because once one person gets a cold, we all get colds. I luckily have had my flu jab, and so we'll not be getting a cold. Uh, I'm sure you know that Simon Cowell is only 5 foot 8 inches. He's small man syndrome. He has his shoes built up inside... Uh, says Kelsey. Uh, Anello and David used to make these custom-made shoes in the 70s. Yes, I mean, a lot of people... Well, it's like Tom Cruise is very small when you meet him. Angus Dayton is very small. Even Philip Schofield, I think, looks quite small. (laughs) But that's just me. That's just me. Lots of people are. You see them on television, you imagine that they're really huge. But uh, but they're not. They're actually quite... uh, Quite... uh, Quite quite tiddly. Uh, Donald says, uh, you're biting well this morning. Hope you're warming up. Sorry you're cold. I'm very cosy in my crofter's cottage because I've got a new combi boiler. I had to put out my 20-year-old Arga because it sat in the kitchen drinking oil and producing very little heat but full of character. My new combi has no character at all but according to everybody is much more efficient and will save me a fortune. He says, you can't win in this life, Steve. As soon as I got rid of the Arga, the oil price dropped like a stone. Oh, heating is absolutely a de rigueur for me but don't leave it on all night. A friend of mine's got an automatic app 
So when he's on the way home, he can push the app and it sends the signal and it starts his boiler. Which I think is quite good, isn't it? Although I spoke to somebody the other day who's got, uh, he's got um, an immersion tank. Courtney here has got an immersion tank. And of course, it only means you've got enough water in the tank. Then you've got to wait for it to fill up and then heat up again. Whereas with a combi boiler, it's permanent hot water. I could sit in the shower for days if I want to. Sometimes you have to. He said, I just love sitting in the shower. It's very nice indeed. But he's only got this. And I said, you need to spend the money. And he said, well, perhaps I can sort of borrow the money on the mortgage. I said, well, of course you can, because you're adding an improvement to the house. And central heating is absolutely de rigueur, which is good. Uh, the other story people are talking about is uh, Tony Blair and that he's either been airbrushed or he's just been caught unawares. It's unusual, actually. They, were, they must have taken loads of pictures. Um... For, for Tony Blair's season's greetings card. The trouble is, it's very American to do a picture of yourself and the wife, and we all know that Cherie Blair is not blessed with looks. I'm not being rude, I'm just telling you. She does not photograph well, but in fact, she photographs better than him in this picture. So presumably, somebody sort of said, can you smile, Tony? Go, uh-huh, I'm too old. So they've actually tried to sort of get it together, and uh, it's, it's a very odd picture. How they gave that picture approval, I'll never know, but somebody must have done. Wasn't they? I wonder how much. I mean, I wonder how many cards they send out. I'm surprised they haven't got one. The Americans send out cards with all the kids, don't they? All around the tree, which is which is quite nice, actually. Really, I know it's sugary sweet. I know it's a bit saccharine, but I, I quite like that kind of thing. I think that's actually good. Um, another one here. Uh, wait a minute, quickly, quickly, quickly. Um, at least Ronnie Corbett won't have to stoop when he gets a knighthood. I think it would be great, actually. Yeah. Les says, please don't call somebody a commoner. We're all born with nothing. Don't be so stupid. Commoner. You're obviously a commoner. You're in Luton, aren't you, mate? You don't get much more common than Luton. No, unfortunately, you're completely wrong. I mean, honestly, I know that we get dafter as we move up the country, but God, I didn't realise the thick thickness started at Luton. You know, dumber, dumber, dumber. So we're, we're all born with nothing. Are you serious? I'd like to tell that to the, uh, the families, you know, that the children born to Prince William, born with nothing. I don't think so. Where are you coming from? You want drugs or something? Mind you, loot, and I suppose it's absolutely necessary just to live there, isn't it? Uh, Steve, CJ has the flu. Tucked up in bed with hot lemon, honey and ginger. It's not the thing to have. Not the thing to have. Benelin day and night tablets. The only thing to have. Benelin day and night tablets, and they work an absolute treat. And it dries up the, the cold and, you know, sort of all of these sort of things. Somebody says, it's very funny listening to Steve Allen thinking he's a celebrity. I think you're writing to me. I'm not writing to you. So, obviously, you think I must be very, very important. And that's somebody from Runcorn. Oh, God, have you been to Runcorn? God, blimey. Go to visit your abcaps. And he's on benefits. Poor soul, honestly. What a shame. Perhaps you got off your arse, you could get out there and get a job. That'd be good, wouldn't it? And then people over London using food banks and Boris, he says, earmarks money for another ego trip, a cultural service using your money. You're in Runcorn. Go away, dear. You're far too boring. He says, um... He says, uh, what does he say here? He's up with Duncan, correcting callers' pronunciation. God, you really are a bit dim, aren't you? Not your fault, but never mind. But uh, he says, I'm annoyed at Nativity Place. Three years I wanted to be a king and was always cast as a shepherd. It's because you're common. Because you're common, that's why. You're common. If you're common, you get cast as a shepherd. 84850, steve at So, because Mario Balotelli... Spent £4,000 on a booze session. I mean, really, is a bit dim, isn't he? Uh, he apologised yesterday because he did this anti-Semitic Instagram blunder. Uh, they've been swamped by girls and they dance and everything else. That's what footballers do. 
That's what footballers do. They sort of go out there, spend loads of money, and uh, old tarts throw themselves all over them. He was at a VIP table, bought champagne and vodka, hardly touched it and then left, all a bit bizarre. Most people who spend that much money on booze would have every last drop, but they just left it on the table. And so he went out to a, a club, and then he sort of posted all these odd things. And then afterwards, to justify it, they said he has a Jewish mum and visited Auschwitz. So? What's that got to do with it? You think that sort of makes you less of a racist, less of an anti-Semite? Quite clearly not. But of course, now they're actually trying to judge... He's had to apologise, but now, to sort of, in an effort to do damage limitation, they say, of course, in the past, he's had bananas thrown at him on the pitch and racist tweets targeted him. Oh, that makes it all right then, does it? Oh, well, there you go. I was reading a story the other day, and we all know about the story of Addenbrooke's in Cambridge, where all these children uh, with leukaemia and things like that were abused. It turns out that they've decided this is worth money. So Addenbrooke's have now had a few people who've been to lawyers, obviously seeking compensation. Now, this is where I don't understand it. So, in other words, you've been abused, and money from a hospital, which knew nothing about it, is get to do what? What does the money do? I don't quite understand how money sort of eases the pain. I don't quite understand why you'd want to take money from a hospital, which will probably have to take it from funds which are needed, to look after children because somebody was abused in a hospital and money makes it all right. I'm not saying the abuse is all right. I'm just, I'm just trying to justify why money all of a sudden means it's OK. Yes, you can abuse me, but you've got to give me money afterwards. How does that work? It was the Michael Jackson syndrome, wasn't it? Where he paid Geordie Chandler something like $30 million. But that was no admission of guilt. Over here, you know, you're looking at a hospital that deals with a lot of very ill people. They can ill afford it. They don't know what's going on. How are you supposed to check everything? But already you find solicitors. They're the ambulance chasers, aren't they? They're the people who go out there and they go, listen, you know, it's like, I mean, I'm constantly seeing adverts on the television. So-and-so fell off a ladder because they gave him the wrong ladder. Well, quite clearly the man is an idiot. He fell off the ladder putting up a television area and he, now he, and he got £6,000 compensation. That's what people see, isn't it? That's what people see, you know. I was abused by Jimmy Savile. I want money. Well, how's that going to make it right? How is that going to make it right? It doesn't. It's like the other story that's running in the paper today is the woman, and Duncan talked about it earlier on, who was breastfeeding at Claridge's. It's almost like a setup. And they asked her, they were doing afternoon tea, and if you have afternoon tea at Claridge's, there's people sitting all around you. She starts breastfeeding. And so they politely say to her, because they're very polite in there, I know because I've had afternoon tea there, could you just sort of cover up a little bit? You know, is that possible you can manage that? And so then, so she's pictured doing breastfeeding with a picture, you know, happy and smiling and laughing, almost as if it's a setup. And when I say it's almost as if it's a setup, why would you go to Claridge's for afternoon tea and take a picture or get somebody to take a picture of you breastfeeding? You know? Alarm bells ring to me. And then she said afterwards, I was so upset I burst into tears. I thought, oh, Christ, grow up, for God's sake. 13 minutes to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 11 minutes to uh, five. We'll come back to the breastfeeding a little bit later on. It's uh, Russell Brown that makes the pages of the papers for today. He's a hypocrite, as we know. So he turns up uh, at um, Downing Street... He's a multimillionaire, as you all know. He's worth about, you know, between nine and twelve million pounds. And so the reporter uh, talks him about uh, this sort of thing. He lives in a two million pound house. He rents it. He pays about sixty to seventy five thousand pound a year for rent. I've got no idea why he rents. It's probably something to do with, you know, it's all tax deductible. But anyway, 
Uh, he took part in the latest anti-capitalist crusade, a demand for more low-cost housing. He's living in a £2 million flat. It's hilarious, really. But anyway, being the ignorant pig that he is, the, uh, the journalist from Channel 4 asked him whether the super-rich buying up property in London was driving up prices for everyone else. Russell then accused the reporter of being a snide. I wonder what that means. I'll say that's sort of, you know, Russell Brown talk for, listen, I am the Messiah, you must listen to me. Uh, asked the value of the house he lived in, he replied his home is rented, but refused to give any indication of what he pays. Um, the three-bedroom property with a roof terrace is worth about £2 million, owned by a property firm based in the British Virgin Islands. With the agile and average wage of about two grand a month before tax, renting it would be well beyond the reach of most people. Uh, asked about the value of his home, Russell Brand replied angrily, I'm not interested in talking to you about my rent mate. I'm here to support a very important campaign. Accused of being part of the problem of rocketing housing, Brand says, I'm part of the solution. He's that deluded. That's the trouble is his brain's been so addled over the years he actually believes things. Mad as a fruitcake. He suggested his fame meant he was able to amplify the voices of ordinary people. Agast asked again about his house. Brand pointed his finger in the reporter's face and said, It's rented. We don't know the value. You'd have to talk to my landlord. Blessedly, I can afford my rent, and I'm prepared to stand up for people that can't. Load of old codswallop, as usual. Opens mouth and out comes garbage. Refusing to answer further questions about his own housing costs, Brand terminated the two-minute interview and accused the reporter of trying to wreck his campaign, saying, Sniders like you, mate, undermine it. You're a snide. Dear. What a nasty piece of work Mr Brand is. And then uh, Brand's fans abused O'Brien on social media. What a bunch of dodo birds they must be. Uh, Yesterday he says, it's my job to test tension, and that's what we do. Brand, who's posted film of himself inside the flat on his web yesterday, uh, it was nowhere to be seen. An estate agent who asked not to be named said of the property, we had it on at 1,150 quid a week two or three years ago. So that gives you a rough idea. Last night, of course, Brand suffered fresh embarrassment when the Plain English campaign declared him winner of the Foot in Mouth Award 2014, saying it struggled to make sense of most of his comments. Yes, he's a, he's a hypocrite, as everybody knows. And Brand fans, bozos. Bozos. And so, you know, he lives, you know, in a £2 million flat. Oh, you're doing it to help the little people. Perhaps he really believes it. Perhaps he thinks if he dresses down and he sort of goes like this, you know, then that's okay. But it's not acceptable behaviour at all. Trouble with putting Edwina on loose women, Steve, is we may have to lose old favourites like Colleen. Trouble is she is just an old favourite, isn't she? She doesn't really contribute very much to the programme. She's sort of the simple end of the market. I think Colleen has had, you know, possibly, I think, I don't think she's got much longer to go. And uh, somebody who says here, this is Phil, he says, we've got a back boiler behind our coal fire. We used to have one of those. We had a, a Rayburn and that seemed to heat how it worked. I've got no idea. But we used to have to light the fire in the morning and then you'd open it. Sometimes it gets so hot in there, you'd all sit there with big red faces. So, in other words, you pull a lever to divert the heat from the flue to pass through the boiler. No fire, no hot water or heating. Sometimes the water in the system starts to boil and I have to run the hot, run the hot water off to stop the radiators banging. Installed when the cottage was built in 1863 and still works. Yes, I agree with you. The Victorians built stuff to last. Absolutely. Uh, Pete says, despite my better judgment, I had a peek at Madonna's features. I'm sure I've seen them somewhere before. Were they once owned by Paul Gascoigne? I didn't think they looked real. I mean, to be brutally honest, at, you know, six minutes to five, I'm not an expert on Madonna's nipples. But they just didn't look right. They looked, they looked slightly odd. Perhaps they were fake. 
I don't know. We'll never know with her, will we? I mean, she was obviously airbrushed within an inch of her life. But she obviously felt the need to do it because they call it art. Isn't it funny? Getting all your bits out is now called art. In my day, it was called flashing. CJ says, when I left school, my first job was a trainee shepherd. There's <laughs> probably a joke coming here. Uh, we started lambing in December. As a result, I always associate sheep walking in snowy fields with Christmas. Snowy fields. You remember that, uh, the, uh, Pete Farmers, you know, up in the Lake District? They have to sort of start digging sheep out of snow and all the rest of it. They're dreadful. And the snow comes down in some parts of the country. It is particularly bad. Uh, Dale says, very smooth plug for the book, then. It's outrageous. How dare you comment on things like that? <laughs> uh, another one here. This is uh, Alton Farms. I don't know what Alton Farms is, but it sounds delightful. And uh, they're listening to LBC, so that's a good idea, isn't it? I like people who listen to LBC, especially at this time of the morning. It's quite good. If you're driving around, it's far more entertaining than listening to music. Because you can always sing to yourself, can't you, as you're going around. I don't sing to myself in the car much. I do, actually, all the time. All the time. On the subject of nativity plays, my sons were both in the, the nativity plays, says Pauline. The elder was the third wise man, and his little bro- brother declared he was the third wise sheep. Do you remember that, that story that they, they were telling about, I think, Victoria Wood... Might have been, was it Victoria Wood? I'm pretty certain. And uh, she goes to the school nativity play. And uh, they're, having a, they're having a bit of a session. A bit of a session. Uh, Joseph is having a bit of a strop. Mary's just got to carry the plastic uh, baby, eventually. And uh, it's all, it, it was all going quite well until Joseph decided he'd had enough of it. And so he goes to the inn and he knocks on the door. And the innkeeper comes to the door and Joseph... You know, the best little four-year-old you can ever get goes, my name is Joseph and this is Mary and we want to stay here. And the innkeeper, who was having a worse day, looked at them and went, we're full and shuts the door. (laughs) So Joseph, not to be put off by this, knocks on the door again. The innkeeper, slightly slightly fed up with it, opens the door, yes. And Joseph says, we've booked. (laughs) End of nativity play. I got to be the... I was only ever shepherd. But I got to sing the song. I got to sing the... I don't know why the shepherds were singing We Three Kings of Orient are, because I must have been a king, mustn't I? I can't have been a shepherd. I distinctly remember having a tea towel on my head. Well, the pictures looked like a tea towel. It might have been a crown on top of that. And you had to walk down and, and sing We Three Kings of Orient are. I've got it on cinefilm. I'm that old. It's on wait, sepia, hand-coloured. And uh, I think I must have been, at the time, probably around... What would I have been? I think I might have been around nine years old. It's a bit hazy. That's indeed most things are when you're nine years old. But I loved it. I liked the whole nativity thing. I was a bit disappointed yesterday. I became a bit a bit sort of moronic about it, that, you know, the nativity play was on the way out. I didn't like the idea it was on the way out. I liked the idea that people used to fight. And somebody say, I don't want to be a sheep. I want to be a shepherd. Well, you can't be. You've got any gifts? Got some frankincense. All right, what else? Myrrh. And gold. That's what they turned up with. This, the, my funniest one. Who used to do it? It might have been Jasper Carrot, who did a whole sketch on these nutty wise men who turned up. He said, they've got all this, they're coming on their camels. He said, and they go, we've come to, come to see the baby Jesus. They go, yeah, what do you got? They go, we've got gold, frankincense and myrrh. They said, well, you can stuff the myrrh in the frankincense. We don't want that. But the gold. Joseph, get the Bethlehem Hilton on the phone. We're booking in the suite. <laughs> I love the, why would you want to stay in a drafty old stable? As somebody else said as well, when, when uh, was it Michelangelo went round to paint the scene of Madonna in, in the stable, it all looks a bit wonderful, doesn't it? I quite like the idea. 
you know, being in a drafty old stable, and then all these people, we, we have come from afar, a star spoke to us. You're off your trolleys, aren't you? You've been smoking that wacky-backy out in the fields again. And they all turn up. Everybody's, in the end, there's so many people in the stable. I think Mary and Joseph, I'll tell you what, let's slip out and go round the back. Much easier. Uh, Sai says, I shall be sending Tony Blair a Christmas card to thank him for uncontrolled immigration, selling the gold cheap, raiding private pensions, and articulated the Human Rights Act, which allows foreign murderers, paedophiles and rapists to remain in the UK. Yes, I mean, you know, most of that is actually true. It is unbelievable that we've got murderers, paedophiles and rapists who've uh, committed not one, but numerous, and we can't get rid of them. We cannot get rid of them. You sometimes wonder, don't you, whether or not the whole country's gone completely mad. In America, luckily, they sort of, they execute these people. I'm not saying it's the answer. I'm just saying there's got to be some sort of deterrent, but then I've just answered my own question. There is no deterrent. If there was a deterrent, you know, if they said, listen, if you, if you rape, if you murder... If you attack a child, then you're going to die. You would think it would all stop, but of course it doesn't, because these people, they've got screws loose. I've seen people just being arrested by the police. It took eight police officers the other day to get some bloke out of a van, and he's going to, I'm a psychopath, I'm a psychopath. And I thought, you know, it's so much easier if the cameras weren't there. Just taser them. They go very quietly after that. But when you look at all these people we've got in, you go to the courts, you see all the people who come over here and commit crimes. I'm not saying we don't commit crimes, we do. That we don't want anybody else coming in from abroad committing crimes. It's like the shoplifting. It's absolutely at epidemic proportions. You know, people go out there because they just think you can nick because you won't be prosecuted. And they're right. The breastfeeding mum in tears. Claridge is asked her to cover up. But as I say, it looks like a complete setup to me. Why don't you take a picture of you breastfeeding in Claridge's? Frozen hits the jackpot for Christmas. I said it would. I said it would. Stephen Hawkins has warned artificial intelligence could wipe out the human race. I'm not sure whether he's just super intelligent or mad. Timothy Spall wins another Turner Prize. The only DNA is Essex. They found that there is a DNA gene that means that people want to get fake tanned. I mean, I can't believe it either. Uh, Ed Sheeran. The pictures just make me die in the paper today. And the fraudsters who target the elderly with the bogus phone calls. Or an air rage in an aeroplane. I'll tell you him and we name and shame on LBC. On FM... This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Bit of air rage. Uh, in the papers this morning, some man, he was having an argument with somebody, and then he punches the window and it cracks. He wasn't drunk. And uh, they'd asked him to sit down and he was just abusive. Well, name and shame. The breastfeeding mum, she goes to Claridge's. For afternoon tea, which is lovely, it's very nice, they do a very good spread, very, very good spread there, and it's very lovely, and it's a nice uh, room, and then she starts breastfeeding, and quite clearly, some people there, excuse me, we don't really want to watch this, we want to breastfeed, they go somewhere else. I'm sure it's natural, as everybody keeps telling us, so they ask her just to cover up, just put a, you know, a napkin sort of thing over the top of it, then apparently she bursts into tears, well, so she says. All the pictures in the paper, she's happy and smiling and laughing, but she knows she's going to get some sort of publicity, I suppose. And the fraudsters who target the elderly with the bogus phone calls. If you've just woken up, it's five past five. So Russell Brand starts pointing his finger at a reporter on Channel 4 who's asking a fairly straightforward question. You're here, you know, part of this reclaiming the street. I love Russell Brand's fans because they're quite clearly as dim as he is. Because in his book Revolution, I don't know if you've ever read it, it's not doing as well as he was hoping so, but uh, he says if they don't pay tax will reclaim their assets and give them to the people that work there. He's living in a property which is offshore. 
It's registered offshore. OK, so he's one of these people. So perhaps we should go in there and throw him out on the street. He pays £76,000 a year. He's a hypocrite. He's got nothing to do with the poor people at all. He just pretends he's to do with the poor people. He's a bit of a champagne socialist. He's a bit like John Prescott, you know, man of the people. How much money are you earning, John? Well, I can't tell you that. So the reporter asks a fairly straightforward question. You know, aren't you the problem? And he goes, no, I'm the solution. Because he's that deluded. He really thinks he is the, is the solution. I mean, he's made all sorts of gaffes. So he's preaching revolution from a posh Two million pound flat. I mean, it's absolutely hilarious. And so, quite rightly, the papers have exposed him today uh, as a hypocrite. And then he says to the reporter who's asking, you're a snide. Like anybody's remotely interested in what Russell Brand's got to say about anything. I think somewhat cracked in the head. He said, mad as a fruitcake. Uh, the subject of Ronnie Corbett, Graham says, I live down the road from him. When I flashed my headlights to let him out of his drive, he's given a smile and a cheery wave. That's why he's not been given a knighthood, because he's a nice guy who makes us laugh. If he was a miserable person in a pinstripe suit, he'd have had one years ago. Yes, it's true, isn't it? You have to sort of, you have to push for these things, for people. You have to sort of say to them, you have to say, say to Downing Street, listen, because that's where you write to, you write to Downing Street and go, listen, he should be given a knighthood. He's 84 tomorrow. He's 84 and he's still funny. When he came in here, people were falling over themselves to see him. Seriously. I bring some people through, some of these big celebrities, and they come through, and people are just going, oh my God, I can't believe it. They're actually seeing them close up. It's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Hope you've all sorted out your car for winter. I only mention that now, because otherwise, over the uh, the festive period, if we do get the snow, if the snow comes down badly, uh, then people are going to be broken down by the side of the road. Make sure if you're setting off on journeys, if you're in the top part of the country and it gets really, really icy, make sure you've got blankets, some sort of hot drink. Of course, nobody has flasks anymore, do they? In my day, people had flasks. If you're diabetic, make sure you've got your medicines, some sweeties and stuff like that. Actually, sweeties are always good to keep in the car. And jelly beans were always very good for diabetics. Very, very good. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Malcolm says, could we compile a list of our most irritating celebrities? Uh, Russell Brand and Keith Lemon, to name but two. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. And... Um, you didn't complain when the gay couple received money for being refused a cake at a bakery, says Philip. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Why, why, why should I complain about them being given money? They were discriminated against by a bakery on the grounds of, uh, of their sexuality. So, uh, so that's why. Uh, Dean says, you don't understand Russell Brand. Did you expect Tony Benn to live in a little dodgy flat? No. Of course, what we loved about Tony Benn was he was an even bigger hypocrite. You know, preaching on throughout his life about, you know, giving money to help the poor people. Did he give anything to charity when he died? No, the miserly old Scrooge squirrelled it away and he distributed it among the children. No money at all. All these charities that were hoping to benefit from Tony Blair's will. Uh, Tony Ben, Tony Blair, <laughs> written him off already. Tony Ben, not one penny piece. Tight-fisted little so-and-so. Oh, amazing, actually. Ron says, Mr Brand, nudging 40, acting 20. Well, I think more acting 10. Is probably there to meet his next potential conquest seeing as he's had most of the celebrities available in both Hollywood and London. Have you noticed, though, with him, they don't last two minutes? They really don't last two minutes. You know, most people, they can't wait to get rid of him, because he suddenly realised how barking mad he is. And, uh, and Pablo says Russell Brand is a, um, an unfunny, sneering chap who's posh and pretends to be working class. Well, that's why he's got a £9 million fortune. He's pretending that he's man of the people and all this kind of thing. And he lives in a £2 million flat. Very man of the people, that is, isn't it? 
Very man of the people. Other stories of the papers today. The uh, the five top jobs handed out to the only candidates. This is the elitist old boys network at the BBC. So these are unadvertised jobs. And it's very interesting. It's always been a bit by. I love the way they, they actually keep telling us that it's our BBC. We don't seem to have any say in it whatsoever. Are we going to be saving 400 million cobblers? No, you're not. No, you're not. You're going to be sort of moving it around and shuffling it around so nobody actually will lose their jobs, per se. I loved it when they moved them all up to Manchester. That kind of didn't didn't work for me at all. It didn't work for a number of people, did it? But we still put up with it. We still put up with it. It's just you turn on the television and we have to, we have to go with what we've got. You don't have any choice in it. They used to have points of view. I love it when you have people writing in, I would gladly mortgage my house for everything that the BBC put out. You know, and all this kind of stuff. And it's just the same old, same old all the time. You know, can they spend enough money? You've got to see the new building they've just built, which you've paid for, incidentally. Uh, Little Woods has been accused of a, a rip-off over its offer of interest-free gifts. I like the idea of interest-free gifts. All the television programmes, they're all telling you now, all the online shopping channels, that you can have interest-free payments. Which, as far as I'm concerned, is actually a very good idea. As long as you're not paying for it, that's fine. If it's interest-free, so in other words, if something is, you know, £80 for £20 payments, brilliant. Spread the cost over the four months. I'm not too sure about the buying a three-piece suite and paying next year. I don't like those ideas. But um, they say here, the ads... Tell customers they can pay for their goods weekly rather than up front. But the sun can reveal some will end up a year down the line having paid double the price of rival stores. So in other words, Barbie House, Littlewoods, £100. <coughs> Excuse me, elsewhere, £49.90. Uh, Amani Watch, Littlewoods, £159. Elsewhere, 105 CK Eternity, Littlewoods, £75. Blimey. Elsewhere, £30.10. pence. <laughs> so you've been told I can only sort of uh, guide you and point you in the right direction. Snow and heavy frost on the way for the first time this winter. Devon, sorry Devon, Scotland, sorry Wales. The Pennines in the Peak District will be worst hit with up to an inch of snow falling on Sunday. Temperatures will fall to minus six from tomorrow. Next week, very much unsettled, say the... Uh, uh, Dr Leon Brown, who's from the Weather Channel, and he says, uh, everywhere, large and deep areas of low pressure sinking southwards. Oh, God. It's going to get worse, isn't it? It is noticeable. It's absolutely noticeable. When you go outside, you can, you can feel it. And also, there's a little bit of a wind. It's a bit of a chilly wind coming in. Um, another one here. It says, uh, I went away so the builders could fix the heating, says Suan. No heating. Oh, right. <laughs> You think that's OK, do you? I don't know how people cope with no heating in the, uh, in the middle of winter. It's dreadful. Uh, a former model has won £37 million in her first divorce, has won another £17 million after splitting from hubby number two. My God, they must be dumbos, mustn't they? This is Alison Theory. She said property tycoon DDA went back on their prenuptial agreement. They had agreed that if they split, each should be left in the same position as when they married. Uh, Mrs Theory apparently had assets of £32 million when they wed in 2006. Good Lord, she must be very successful. It is amazing that you do get people who sort of go multiple marriages. Uh, they seem to do quite well financially out of each one. And you think, you know, is, is, it, is it men that go for it? They sort of go, ah, oh, you're lovely, you've got a track record. And they think, I don't know, I was watching The Housewives of... Where was it? The Housewives of Beverly Hills. Oh, my God, they were arguing. Seriously, I mean, I did, I did watch it and I did laugh. I, I, <laughs> Nicholas says, however many millions 
Russell Brand's flat is worth. I suspect it may not have a bathroom. He always looks if he needs a good wash. He does look as though he smells, doesn't he? He's got that look around. He's got that sort of, ugh, bit dirty. Gary says, we need that snow. And, uh, and James says, wouldn't it be fantastic if it was the law that if Lee Rigby's killers lose their appeal, then the sentences are automatically doubled? Yes, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't want to ever see them out again or see their ugly faces anywhere at all, unless it's in a coffin. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. It's amazing how many of you think as, uh, of Russell Brand as a very unfunny, sneering person who sort of firmly believes in his own tiny little mind that uh, what he's talking about. He has double standards, and as I say, it's the Plain English Society who've just given him an award for this gobbledygook. In other words, he, he just spouts any old nonsense. Here's something that you won't have heard of. Drinking a large glass of wine could be as harmful as downing three shots of vodka. See, I always thought that wine was OK. Public Health England said the lack of awareness that, of booze units consumed is contributing to liver disease. So a large glass of wine is as harmful as downing three shots of vodka. Blimey. That's a bit worrying, isn't it, really? Those of you going out tonight going, oh, I think I could manage quite easily on a, on a few glasses of wine, and then they go, it's as bad as vodka, and you go, no, it can't be. Uh, Lynn from Bolton says, I love Barry Manilow, but he must be telling porkies when he says he's had no work done. I oh, see, that's a difficult one for me. I don't know. I looked him the other day. Now, either we've only got that image of Barry Manilow from years ago, or he's aged, you know, in our minds, and and now he's aged badly. I don't know. I mean, has he had cosmetics? If you can have cosmetics, I never understand why. Having had a look at the Bride of Wildenstein and a few other people, you know, who've had cosmetic surgery and it's all gone horribly wrong, I don't know whether or not having cosmetic surgery is a good idea. When they look in the mirror, do they see something really bad? Or do they see a perfect face? I mean, when we were looking at uh, Frank Maloney, who's, uh, who's changing sex now, and he had this, this cosmetic surgery on his face, I have to be honest, he looked absolutely awful. Absolutely awful. I mean, it really didn't look at all good. So, I don't know. Is cosmetic surgery the way forward? I hope not. I hope not. Is Botox the way forward? I hope not. Perhaps we should all grow old gracefully like Barry Manilow. I know most people go, he must have had work done. But if he says no, presumably he must mean no. Because otherwise he'd be going, listen, I'm telling you for a fact, if you can find a doctor who has done this, tell me. This is the way I've aged. I don't know. Quarter past five. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 18... No, it's not. It's 19 minutes past five. And it's Wednesday morning in London town. We're getting ever nearer. I told you already. 3rd of December. And the shops and uh, the online stuff's doing very well. But they're now saying that they're, they're actually trying to protect the, uh, the shops in the high street because they're being hammered by the online stuff. Well, of course, most people I know do online. Mainly because it's, it's so much easier. I ordered uh, DVDs the other day with Amazon Prime. They arrived yesterday. I took them home. I thought it was just one set, but in fact, both sets were, were, in the, were in the package. I was quite pleased about that. So that's two things. I haven't had to go out, and I've got them cheaper, because I bought them online. And, uh, and I shall find some other things, actually. I've got some other little presents, which I've got to take home from here, pardon me. And, um, and then we're practically sorted. I've got to do the cards this week, and I've got to try and get... Where am I going to? I'm trying to remember, actually. I can't remember if it's Winter Wonderland this week or next week. I'm losing, and then we've got dinner next week. There's about seven or eight of us going out for dinner, so that'll be a boozy affair on a Friday night, which is quite nice. So I booked that. That's all sorted out, and and everything else is going quite well. And a friend of mine, I told you that uh, a friend of mine, her father died the other week at the age of ninety, and um, they're now clearing the house, 
And so they phoned up one of the hospices to say, can you come and collect it? We've got everything in the house, everything. And uh, they said, we can't do anything till Monday. Well, they want to get the house cleared as quickly as possible, and then uh, they want to get it all cleaned up and things like that. So they've, they've thrown away all sorts of stuff. They've, they've had 12 trips to the, to the dump or something. But anyway, luckily, a friend of hers says her son's coming back from America. They've got him a flat. He needs furniture. And so she went, really? She said, well, we've got loads of furniture you can have. You can have it all. Uh, and they said, well, he needs everything. So as luck would have it, and they're a very nice couple... They're going to make a substantial donation to the hospice, which is good. And they've taken everything. They've taken the fridge, the dishwasher, the pots and pans, the uh, the plates, the beds. Haven't taken the mattresses. Uh, they've taken the wardrobes. They've taken just about everything. So that's fantastic. So, in fact, the whole house will be cleared on Thursday. So they're very pleased about that. But she said, it's so exhausting. And I said, well, the funny thing is, after somebody dies, you just don't have a chance to sit down and think about anything because you've got so much to do. Today, they've got to go and get the death certificates. Then they've got to take get copies of that. Then they've got to go to the bank to uh, to close the account and produce the death certificates so it can all be done. They don't just close the things. And they've got to do everything. So they've got to go to the registrar. And it's just nonstop. But, uh, but the result was the hospice gets some money, which is fantastic, because I'm a big fan of hospices, because they do a lot of good work. And, uh, and somebody benefits through getting all the furniture, which, you know, people can then always, always get rid of at a, at a later time. But it's something good to start off with, isn't it? It's very difficult to get. Uh, 84850. Mark says, love the show. Yes, breastfeeding is natural. So is weeing. So is it OK to doing, to doing that during afternoon tea? I don't know. I haven't met my auntie Enid. She would do it all the time. But uh, no, I mean, it's the, the argument is that it's natural and the kitty wants to feed. And I don't have any problem with that. It's just that it's almost done as if it's sort of as if it's a setup. I feel a bit a bit sorry for them uh, over in over in Claridge's because they quite clearly weren't expecting it. And she's been photographed. She's been photographed, um, you know, smiling and laughing. Uh, but then she said, oh, I burst into tears because I was, I was so offended. And I think, what do you mean you burst into tears? I mean, are you an adult or are you, t- are you sort of just not an adult? Because I don't quite understand why you'd burst into tears. Because somebody said, listen, there's people in here having their afternoon tea. Could you really, you know, just sort of just cover up a little bit? Is that possible? You know, we're not throwing you out. We're just sort of saying it's, you know, people don't want to see that. Thank you very much indeed. And I don't understand why she'd take a picture unless she was deliberately thinking of embarrassing Claridge's. Why would you want to do that? I don't know. You know, you take pictures of maybe your afternoon tea, not of some child clamped your bosom, do you? Uh, the VC, one by the hero, has uh, gone up for sale. This is Lieutenant Colonel Thomas Watson. He saved his tiny garrison on the northwest frontier in British India when he was attacked by 10,000... Uh, Pashtun tribesmen in 1897. Refusing to retreat, he gathered together a scratch force of soldiers and charged, taking three enemy bullets as he did so. So he's, uh, he's, been, he's been given uh, the Victoria Cross, quite clearly, and um, he carried on fighting until his hand was smashed by a bullet. After that, he had to be carried from the battlefield after passing out due to lack of blood. They gave him the VC and they're going to sell it. Uh, it's going up for sale. Uh, they reckon about £200,000. I always think it's terribly sad, actually, when, when you know, families or whoever ends up with these things has to sell them. But to be brutally honest with you, uh, what, what use is a medal? What use is a medal to somebody? You put it in a drawer and they go, that's worth 200000 And the family might go, well, that's £200,000 we kind of need. We kind of need 
And in fact, if you go to the Imperial War Museum today, you go upstairs and there's some, it's a, a former MP, I'm sure he is, um, who has dedicated or donated all his Victoria crosses that he's bought over the years. It's a collection that he's built up over a few years. And they're all up there in cases. And it's got the story of the person and a photograph of them. And then they're, they're quite beautiful, these VCs. I can understand why somebody, you know, wouldn't want to keep it. They'd want to sell it because it's worth a lot of money. And so they then go into the museums. I mean, a few go into private hands. Depends on whose it is. But either way, it's a bit sad that we give them out. I don't know what they're worth, you know, to actually make. But I know that when they come up for auction, anything from £100,000 upwards, and uh, depending on who it is and how famous the person is, determines exactly how much money it's going to get. Uh, Nick Whitaker is the holiday maker here today. He's a father of two. He was travelling home from Florida with families who'd been to Disney World, when he angrily, for some reason, swung a pair of headphones in a lady called Claire Houston's face. I don't know why he did this. He's obviously immensely stupid. He's a former bus driver who was sober. I mean, I'm not saying that bus drivers do this. I know a lot of bus drivers. But anyway, uh, the, the crew on there asked him to calm down, but he swore at them, adding, I'm not a terrorist. He then punched the window so hard it caused a crack. Terrified passengers jumped up to run to other seats for fear it would shatter. And <laughs> You don't want to do things like that, do you? Anyway, he was arrested on touchdown. Aviation experts said passengers were at risk only if both inner and outer windows were shattered because it's got the inner window and then there's the outer window. So if he just did, I mean, it wouldn't be able to hit both of them. He comes from An- um, Ashton Underline in Greater Manchester. He admitted recklessly acting in a manner likely to endanger an aircraft, uh, especially as there were families on there. Uh, prosecuting, they said he became engaged in a domestic. Passengers were moving their children away. He was advised regarding his behaviour, but it didn't faze him. He was swearing at the crew and passengers, telling them to off. Passengers were distressed, and um, he's been warned he could be jailed. There you go. What's the matter with these people? What is the matter with these people? They just sort of they sort of lose the plot, don't they? All I want to do on a plane is sit down. If I if I if I don't, I mean, I don't really drink alcohol on planes. I could drink alcohol anywhere I like, so I'm not not particularly bothered about doing it on a plane. So I just generally have something like a tomato juice. (laughs) Sounds disgusting, I know, because some people go, you don't really drink tomato juice. And I go, actually, I adore tomato juice. I quite like it with a vodka in there and a few other little bits and pieces, but I I have done my fair share of tomato juice (laughs) over the years. And I love it on planes. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, Martin says, so what if Russell Brand rents a property in London where the average rental price of a two-bed apartment is over £1,000 a week? I don't see anybody else standing up for the common person. It's hypocritical. Do you not understand that? Do you not understand that he's out there, you know, complaining about the rich? And he is one of the rich. He is the problem. He is the problem. He is the person who has taken away in a working-class area a £2 million flat, which he's paying £75,000 a year for. Do you not understand that? Got nothing. He's not working class. Where do people get the idea that Russell Brown's working class? He's absolutely not working class. He's paying 75... I'm more working class than he is. I'm not paying £75,000 a year. 84850, steve at uk, And uh, Joseph says, talking about Russell Brand and talking about rights for people, I'd like to see more rights for unemployed people. Well, how much more rights do they need? What sort of rights do unemployed people need? We pay them for doing nothing. Some people, for years. 
Some people, for years, they do absolutely nothing. And you go, is there something the matter with you? Uh, depression. That was White D, wasn't it? 20 years on benefits. 20 years on... But what's the point? What is the point? You know, I think people can do something. They certainly can. You know, they don't, they don't offer this in other countries. It's only here where we're so silly. We go, oh, that's all right. You've got, you've got you know, depression about something. OK, don't bother working. We'll just hand you money, shall we? And that's what we appear to do. We hand people money. Then when you try and take it away from them, they go, you can't take that away from me. And so we've now got lawyers who say, no, you can't take it away. Uh, even Jerry Halliwell, says Ian, only stayed with Brand for a couple of weeks. Meeting of the minds on that one, don't you think? Russell Brand and Jerry Halliwell. <laughs> I think that would, be, uh, that would be an interesting conversation. I think definitely. Uh, 84850. Are you sure you're not Polish? Because Polish people are drinking vodka with tomato juice. My hairdresser is Polish. Uh, my, uh, my best friend is Polish. I know lots of Polish people, actually. Lots of Polish people. But uh, I've, I've just been drinking it because I like tomato juice, oddly enough. I know it's not everybody's favourite. Most people think it's disgusting. It's a bit thick and glutinous. But I love a tomato juice. And my favourite would be tomato juice and vodka with a stick of celery shoved in it. I'm not interested about, you know, sticking in all the... Um, the Lee and Perrins and stuff like that. I just like it, you know, straight. But I do like the stick of celery in it. It sounds horrible, doesn't it, really? It's like, I don't do cocktails. I think cocktails are the most overrated thing I've ever, ever been. And people go, oh, we can have cocktails. And they, they come up with all sorts of rude names, so it sounds funny. Can I have a slow, you know, and they do those sort of things. Or I'd like, I quite like sex on the beach. <laughs> like that. <laughs> like it's funny or even interesting. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk, LBC News Time. It's 530 Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Uh, Rick says, can you explain why the influenza jab would protect you from a common cold? I have no idea. I am not medically qualified. I just know that I have the flu jab every year and it always gives me a cough. Every year without fail for the past three years. And um, the rest of the time, I try not to get colds. But then, see, I must be the only person you've ever met who never gets headaches. I cannot tell you the last time I ever had a headache or anything like that. I don't get stomach complaints very often, but I definitely don't get headaches, so I've got, I've got no idea how it works. I, I know people who get headaches all the time. I should imagine Mark Anthony Hale probably gets headaches. Cause he's a, I always love it when they say somebody followed you. He's a third-year history student. Where does that lead to? After a third-year history student, what do you end up becoming? Do you go and work on Time Team or something? I was, I was very pleased the other day, though. Because uh, I follow, and I got a lovely birthday message this year from Only Boys Allowed. My producer, Sam, set it up. And uh, I got Boys Allowed wishing me happy birthday, which is fantastic. Because when they came third in Britain's Got Talent, and they're keeping alive the singing in Wales. I mean, I've always thought, probably misguidedly, that everybody <coughs> everybody in Wales sings. <coughs> they do it so well. But uh, I've watched them. I mean, I feel like I know these people. I've got no idea who half of them are. But because they all sing... And because Tim, their, their choir master, there's lots of different groups who come together in all different, you know, valleys and different towns and things like that. Uh, but one of the guys on there, his father came to see him singing because he was quite ill. And, and I, I don't like to ask in case his father's not with us anymore. But th- this guy's name is Ben Bateman. And he was, he was so enthusiastic about all this singing when he went into Only Boys Aloud, I was delighted to discover the other day that he's been doing a few musicals, actually out in the real world. He's 19 now. And he's doing musicals. So obviously being in Boys Aloud, and they're always looking for people in the Welsh Valleys to go and sing. And it's sort of camaraderie, and it's just brilliant. And it's worked out so well for him. I was so pleased. 
because you, you don't like to think that they're going to end up on street corners just drinking and smoking and not doing anything at all. They've now got a purpose, and he started tweeting uh, to say, you know, this is the best thing I've ever done. So he's obviously loving it to pieces, which is good, because his enthusiasm comes over in the group, and, and all of them, they're just so, so good. I just uh, just like them. Roger Redhill says, Steve, read the breastfeeding story. I'm only surprised that Claridge's didn't try to charge the woman corkage. This is the story. I know that um, Duncan did it last night. So she goes to Claridge's and she has uh, afternoon tea. She must have booked it. I don't think it's that possible to actually just go in there and just, just get an afternoon tea because it gets very booked up coming up for Christmas because people like doing it. They, they love the idea that you, that you go... And you have an afternoon tea and then you go and do a little bit of shopping or something like that. And so uh, I've done it a couple of times, three, and I absolutely love it in there. I mean, I really do. I, th- I think it's absolutely great. So she goes in there and she starts breastfeeding. Now, the area where you have afternoon tea is not huge. It's not a really huge area. And you can see everybody else around you, not sort of hidden or anything like that. And um, so she starts breastfeeding and they obviously say to her, listen, you know, there are other people in here. I'm sure your child needs feeding, but could you just sort of cover up a little bit? So she then bursts into tears, apparently. So she said, and I keep thinking to myself, why would you burst into tears? I mean, you know this story. It's been doing the rounds for years. It's nothing new. It's not like you've never heard of this before. But it's the fact that you were taking pictures, which was slightly disturbing. Why would you want to take pictures of breastfeeding unless you were going to embarrass either Claridge's or you were looking for a story to go to the papers? I just don't, I don't quite get it at all, I'm afraid. Um, if your heating breaks down, says CJ, uh, smear your whole body with goose grease to keep warm, but stay away from matches and feathers. Hmm, yes. Sainsbury's sell flasks for Christmas with a matching scarf, says Sandra. Well, you did ask... Yes, but I, did, I just don't see people with um, with these uh, flasks anymore. Especially if you're going to be going out into the uh, into the big wide world in the car over the festive season. I, went, I was speaking to um, yesterday, Alistair McGowan. I said, "Are you away for Christmas?" He said, "No." He said, "We we stay at home for Christmas," which I thought seemed a very wise idea. It's the Ashcroft collection of VCs at the Imperial War Museum. He's now Lord Ashcroft. But it was Michael Ashcroft, MP. Brilliant collection of free to enter, says David in Sawbridgeworth. Thank you, David. That's not the the day from Sawbridgeworth. No, they sold the house, I remembered. They sold the house. I've passed it many, many times because it was just down the road from there that my goddaughter had her 13th birthday party. Never to be forgotten. So the Ashcroft collection of visa, it's a huge, um, it's a huge thing. Huge, uh, huge collection. It really is. Um, Ian in Sidcup is not the uh, biggest fan of Russell Brand. Actually, I haven't actually found anybody who is, really, which is strange. Uh, Alan Carr last Friday was brown-nosing Russell Brand. Alan Carr's gone down in my estimation, says Francesco. Yes. And uh, I will tell you about the, uh, the telephone scam. Actually, Ron says Katy Perry was quoted as saying, my biggest regret in life, marrying Russell Brand. It lasted 14 months. Yes, he, he can't keep relationships at all. You really can't. Uh, celebrities I don't like uh, of the year so far. Jordan. Yes, her ghostwriter, as you know, we told you yesterday, has just died at the age of 49. Uh, Kerry Coke Toner, uh, for just being Kerry Coke Toner. Um, uh, Tech Santa. <laughs> Tech Santa. Uh, Fox. Joe Squash. Yes, there's something, but poor old Joe. I mean, when you look at what his career was years ago, he was an actor in a soap, and now he's resorted to doing, you know, some really low-rent shows. Uh, Josie, I want to be famous Cunningham. Yes, I think that's uh, that's finished. Uh, Helen Flanagan, 
all but disappeared, I'm afraid. Poor old uh, Gemma Collins, Russell Brand, uh, and Beckham. Oh, dear. You see, Beckham, you see, I'm, I, I can cope with. I don't have too much trouble with Beckham. I just don't believe their worth is 380, what do we say, 380 million. I just don't believe it. I just do not believe it. I think it's overhyped. Overhyped. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I've had a, a nice one from a, from a fellow broadcaster, which is very sweet. And, um, no. <laughs> I can't today. It's a very nice offer, thank you. Uh, but, uh, unfortunately, I've got a screening this morning. Have you seen this one, Will? Real? Have you read this one here? There you go, look. <laughs> I like it. I like it when the producer reads these, uh, these things. And a quick hey-ho, if you get it. There you go. People listening at 20 to 6 in the morning. Uh, the other story I was going to run with, uh, today, and I, I will tell you the scam. I will tell you the scam, because I think that, uh, pensioners need to be advised about it. I would like to think that pensioners would be advised about it. I think it's probably the same scam that we had before. And this is the one where uh, you're sitting at home and you get a phone call from somebody purporting to be from your bank. Remember that one? And then it turns out that it isn't actually somebody from your bank. And before you know where you are, they've sent somebody round to collect your credit cards and all the other, all the other things. And you think to yourself, I don't know, is that, uh, is, is, is somebody really going to fall for that? And the answer is yes. Somebody did fall for it, and they fall for it quite a lot. They fall for it quite a lot. And you have to keep warning people that it's, that it's very dangerous, that people will actually try and, you know, try and sort of make life very, very difficult for you. And that's why I always get so worried about telephones. I always say, if you don't know the, you know, make sure you've got a uh, caller where it shows, shows the number. If you don't recognise the number, don't pick up the phone. Let them leave a message. But, of course, they won't leave a message. They want you to actually answer the phone. Oh, incidentally, if you're left-handed, you're going to, uh, you're going to earn less money. You're going to earn less money if you're left... Thank God I'm right-handed. Thank God I'm right-handed. It'd be absolutely dreadful, wouldn't it, if I was, uh, if I was left-handed. Um, the fears for the elderly. This was a story we did the other day on the programme about them having 50 carers in the course of a year because they don't, they don't have enough carers who can deal with just one person. And so they, they end up being more confused. Uh, this story here... This is people who lose their life savings. This is targeted particularly at elderly people. And if you've got an elderly mum or a dad or they're by themselves or something like that, you should warn them about this. Uh, because they say here, these fraudsters prey on the elderly because they think that the elderly trust people in authority. I mean, some people have lost their life savings. You know, I, th I think actually this year, criminals have managed to get away with £24 million. Pounds. The year before, it was only £7 million. So it's, a, it's an increasingly big problem. So, in other words, one common tactic... This is, this is the, and this happened to somebody here. One of my producers says that happened to, uh, to my mother. The scammer ring up posing as a policeman. OK, they claim there has been a suspicious transaction on the victim's card and they advise them to call the bank. But what they do, they don't hang up, which leaves the line open. So the older person picks up the phone, dials the number but of course as the line is open already they're only going back to the same person so the criminal is still on the line they pretend to be a bank employee and they ask for details such as pin number which banks never do they never ever ask for pin numbers some criminals even visit the victim's home posing as a courier and people hand over these checks and uh, uh checkbooks their credit cards 
their cash card, all sorts of things. People just hand over. You know, it, I mean, it's it's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous that uh, that people still fall for it. And what's even more annoying is the fact there are gangs out there who will target elderly people because they get confused. The bank will never, ever phone you and ask you to hand your card back. They will never, ever ask you for your PIN number. We've all seen the scam emails that you get from people when they say, oh, that this is, you know, Lloyd's Bank, whoever. It always looks terribly officious. Always looks terribly, terribly officious. And I quite like the idea that people are sort of saying, you know, you should be aware of these scams. But because they look so good, you could be forgiven for falling for them. It's very easy to fall for these things and then go, that just, I don't know, it just doesn't work, does it? It just doesn't work. And and I can see it. Well, I thought I could see it. But as I say, I've seen some. The only reason I, I didn't fall for the Lloyds Bank or Barclays one is because I'm not with Lloyds Bank or Barclays. Mind you, I used to get, it might, used to be better years ago, I used to get Russian girls who wanted to sort of meet me for some reason. I have no idea why they wanted to meet me. There was just there was no particular reason why they wanted to meet me. Uh, quarter to six is the time. Steve Allen on LBC. It's amazing, isn't it? You do a story one day and then blow me down, the thing pops up the next day. And uh, such is the case of uh, Mr Quinn, who's the bloke who got all the free gifts from Amazon. 46 free gifts, £3,600. And uh, they've said you can keep them. I said you can keep them, which is actually quite nice, actually. Uh, talk to your presenters, Steve. What's your opinion on Philip Schofield and his marathon? Listen, I can't fault Philip Schofield for doing anything. I just think he's on television a bit too much, but that's just my opinion. You know, I mean, I th- you know, he, he abseiled down the side of a building. He wouldn't have got me doing it. I felt ill even watching it. I only had to look over the edge of it, and I was sitting at home on the settee, and I'm, oh, dear Lord. That didn't appeal to me in the slightest, so I, I didn't... Um, I didn't like that side of it. No, I don't have any problem with Philip Schofield presenting. His presenting skills, I mean, you know, he's come a long way since that broom cupboard on the BBC. He's come a long way since Gordon the Gopher. But no, he's fine. It's just that you look at him and you can't believe that he's got, is it three daughters who are at uni or something like that? No, he just doesn't look old enough to do it. For ages, he seemed to dye his hair and that went through various colours. But then, you know, I don't have any problem with him. He's, He's doing a good job. It's just that they, ITV don't have any presenters. They're, they're running out of presenters. So at the moment, until they find a few new people, because you can't ask Jason Manford, can you? For goodness sake, you never know what sort of planet he's going to be on. And you certainly wouldn't be asking Russell Brand anytime soon. But, it, it, but when you look at Philip Schofield, he's more than professional. More than professional. You know, he's, uh, he, he, just seems to, he just seems to work. He just seems to work. He's, he's, he's very good. And uh, he's, he's very nice. And he's very professional. And he can raise some money for charity. So I always think that's that's it, isn't it? I always think that's that's the way forward. I never think that he's uh, that he's not actually going to manage it. He just he get, just gets on with it on the television. He he does it, and he's professional start to finish. And sometimes he corpses, and then I laugh as well. Uh, Clamouring for a glimpse of Father Christmas is in the paper today. Uh, children really good show. They've been good boys and girls this year. Unfortunately, it appeared Santa himself had not been so well behaved. <laughs> And, uh, uh, because as the youngsters looked on in disbelief, a police van turned up in the festive street parade and carted him away. They took him away. Not so good, is it? The, the arrest left some in tears. One four-year-old saying, Santa can't bring me toys. As it turned out, Father Christmas had not been naughty. Instead, officers had used the van to help him escape the crowds after thousands turned out to see him in Aberdeer in South Wales. Jade Hughes, who witnessed the confusion, said Santa was there with the reindeer, waving... 
Then the police van reversed, the side door was opened, he got up, walked into the van, jumped in and took off. People started crying. My four-year-old cousin said, Santa can't bring me toys now. They said it was a bit of a mistake to use a police van. Well, what else? How else are you going to get Santa away? A lot of upset kids thinking that Santa won't be around. But a spokesman said, we're very grateful to South Wales Police for assisting Father Christmas after an amazing Christmas event. It's good, isn't it, that people still turn up for Father Christmas. And also, he's a particularly good Father Christmas. He looks like Father Christmas. So that's, you know, some of them don't quite look like Father Christmas. We should point out, actually, that there are many Father Christmases boys and girls listening, but um, but the real one is at the North Pole and he'll be preparing at the moment. I have to say that for legal reasons and before anybody else writes it, as says you've just reduced my two-year-old to tears. <laughs> so there you go. But uh, no, he looks at particularly good Father Christmas. All I mean, I made a dreadful Father Christmas. I think you've actually sort of, you know, you've got to have a an inclination, an, an intuition to be Father Christmas. It can't be easy sitting there going, ho, ho, what do you want for Christmas? You know, did you do it? Well, of course you would. You're the right size, aren't you? Leicester City Council. Did you get paid? I did it one year, and the beard that they gave me was horribly itched. I kept pulling it. Oh, it's horrible. I can see it now, like a horsehair thing. <laughs> £10 an hour. Blimey, that's good. Because, yeah, that was good money, actually. Most people go and see Father Christmas either a garden centre, they have Santa sitting in a shed, and for a fiver, you get to pick a present out. I don't know, do they, do they buy into that? They, I suppose they do, actually. I've seen queues of people waiting to see Father Christmas. I, I only got to see Father Christmas once. Well, I mean, we saw the real one up at the up at the North Pole, and that was fantastic, and that was really lovely. But I've seen a couple of other ones who didn't look particularly... They look a bit fed up, actually. Eightfourightfiveo-steve-lbc.co.uk. <laughs> uh, Another one here. And... Uh, even the scammers have got round the caller display somehow. It can be displaying the right number. You'll be talking to the fraudsters. An elderly neighbour of mine was scammed recently. Ah, right. Ah, interesting, isn't it? Very interesting. That, uh, you know, they, they've got ways around it. I'm always amazed when people... I mean, I'm paranoid about taking money out of cash points. Always, I'm making sure there's nobody standing around me watching. And I, I, I do put my hand over like that. <laughs> Just to make sure that nobody can actually see. I think Alex Jones is a good TV presenter. Do you really? Alex Jones or Alid Jones? Alid Jones is very good. Alex Jones is not ITV, she's BBC and she's not very good at all. But they're desperately trying to push her into something. Uh, another one here, complaining about Tony Benn. He always championed ordinary people's rights. Uh, yes, but of course he didn't actually do anything about it, did he? Didn't actually do anything about it. And uh, Brand is anti-establishment. Yeah, but he is the establishment. This is the man with nine million pounds in the bank account. And uh, that's poor little Philip again. This is Philip who doesn't quite understand about anything really going on. And uh, it's, it's a shame here. He was saying, Anthony Davis talked about school leavers paid to do what they're meant to do anyway, paid to do chores. You've got, you've got some issues, haven't you, really? You've got sort of perhaps one or two chips on your shoulder. Which is which is slightly disturbing. <laughs> slightly disturbing. I mean, I don't know how old you are. You could be you could be twelve years old. I've got no idea. Uh, another one here talking about the presenters on the television. Why can't they find new ones? I don't know. I don't know. I suppose because it's it's the same as anything else. You try people out. I mean, this morning seems to be a good training ground for people where they they stick presenters on, but then they can't actually go any further. They actually tried Jeff Brazier on a few things, if you remember, and it, OK TV had something and a couple of other. It just didn't quite work, and that's why it makes me laugh when you get the people from Essex going. Uh, I think I want to do TV presenting now, and you, you watch them doing it, and you suddenly realise they can't do it for toffee. There's a skill and an art to doing it, and Philip Schofield is like Alan Titchmarsh. Alan Titchmarsh can make everything look effortless. I mean, seriously. 
He seems to fit into everything. He can do the funny, he can do the serious stuff, he can do everything, because you believe him. He's got to have, and anybody on television's got to have believability factor. You've got to believe that what they're telling you is the truth. They're not just saying it because it's a bit of, you know, it's a script that they're reading off the autocue. Uh, Pete says the influenza virus has no link with the common cold virus or other viruses but influenza can be very serious so it's worthwhile accepting the vaccine I get it for free so of course I go there uh, somebody says if you see the uh, front page on Sunday Kerry Katona's umpteenth marriage on the rock she said no she's denied it She's uh, she's got very upset, apparently, and let's face it, you don't want to be around her when she gets upset. Lynn says, have you seen the programme on uh, on the television where they're restoring a real castle using the same medieval building techniques? I was talking to somebody about that the other day, which is quite good. Uh, the mother who's breastfeeding her baby in Claridge's. Whilst I agree, breast is best, Steve. Surely knowing she was going to be in a busy public environment, she could have prepared a bottle to feed her baby. There are ways and means to use her own milk. Exactly. And that's why I was somewhat sceptical, somewhat sceptical of the whole story. It almost looks like a little bit of a setup that she's an attention seeker. Because I don't believe anybody... It's like, I don't know. Somebody says, can you sort of cover up? And then you go, ooh, start crying. I don't quite understand why you'd start crying. What would be the point of crying? That's just very silly, isn't it? Just very, very silly and obviously... Uh, Obviously not somebody in the real world, but I just think if you're going to go to Claridge's and you're particularly going to go there for afternoon tea and then you're going to take photographs of yourself breastfeeding, I kind of think something's wrong somewhere. But that's just me. That's just me. I mean, you know, other people might think differently. It's always a good argument, isn't it? I bet Duncan Barks got flooded with calls from people who are big fans of, of breastfeeding. Uh, there's also uh, pictures in the Metro today. You can, you can help out. This is in, uh, this is uh, the police who've issued images of a man and a woman wanted connection with a homophobic attack on two friends who were singing show tunes on a tram. Jean-Claude uh, Mansau and Jake Heaton were called gay boys as they travelled towards Manchester while singing hits from the musical Wicked. They got off the Metrolink service from Bury and were approaching the city centre when they came across the man who'd been hurling anti-gay abuse at them. He called over to a 15-strong group who crowded around the two friends and began attacking them. Retail assistant Mr Mansour was knocked unconscious in this uh, assault. Mr Heaton, a customer service advisor, was punched in the back of the head. But he reached a nearby shop for help. He said it was terrifying. Anyway, they've got pictures of the two people wanted. And no doubt these two evil perpetrators will be spending Christmas behind bars. So that's particularly good news. Uh, the glass of wine, which is as harmful as the vodka shots. I didn't know that. I mean, seriously, I mean, admittedly, it never even crossed my mind. Uh, Victoria Beckham says, I'm a right pain in the bottom. Yes, I would think that would be accurate if you're saying it. I have to go along with it. I can't disagree because I don't know. Although when I talked to her, she was absolutely charming. I've still got the letter she wrote me. That's funny, you save these odd little things. Because I remember saying years ago, I said, the Spice Girls won't last. So when she came in, she said, I thought you said we wouldn't last. Of course, actually, I'm now having the last laugh because they didn't. So, <laughs> but anyway, at least she was there. At least she was there. Um, other stories of the papers today. This is uh, a naturalist who's filmed himself being eaten alive by a giant snake. Have you heard about this one? This was a very, very odd story, which, which started some time ago. This bloke wore a... A carbon fibre armour suit featuring a three-hour supply of oxygen, communication device and cameras as he was devoured by a 25-foot anaconda. It's, uh, it's called Eaten Alive. It's going to be on the Discovery Channel next week. Oh, frightens the life out of me. Frightens the life out of me. I can't tell you. Still to come, Alistair McGowan needs your help. Uh, we're going to be running the interview with him, but the competition that he's involved with, which involves the World Wildlife Fund, uh, finishes this Friday, so I'll tell you about it in a moment. 
Mike Tyndall signed up for a reality show. My goodness, they think it's some sort of coup. As I say, 90% of the country won't have the faintest idea who he is. Uh, Mrs Curry's Jungle Talk got a little bit too spicy. Uh, the VC, which will sell for £200,000. Stephen Hawkins has warned artificial intelligence AI could wipe out the human race. Frozen hits the jackpot for Christmas, as we predicted on LBC. Timothy Small wins another Turner Prize. He really is an absolute godsend. He's absolutely brilliant as Turner. If you haven't caught it, make sure you do. The girl who's outdone J.K. Rowling, Mario Balotelli says, I'm sorry, and uh, Jimmy Ballard accuses boxes of bosses of fixing the show he was on. It's LBC. On FM... This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, a pretty nice to have you come for work along to, uh, it helps, uh, to uh, Wednesday's edition of the programme. I will tell you in a moment what Alistair McGowan needs your help with. It's for those people who are, who are green who are green, ecologically good, and it's all to do with uh, the fact we're looking for the UK's green hidden heroes. It's part of the World Wildlife Fund, so we'll uh, we'll tell you about that one in a moment, because the closing date is Friday. Uh, I will tell you about the breastfeeding woman. It's very odd, actually. It's a very... It's it just something not quite right there. Ronnie Corbett, 84 tomorrow. Ed Sheeran. The pictures just make you want to die. They really do. And Mike Tyndall signs up for a reality show. Oh, and Russell Brand again. I want to bore the pants off you with Russell Brand. So here is the um, here is the thing which uh, Alistair McGowan is talking about. It's the final call in the search for the UK's green hidden heroes. Uh, last year, they did very well with the World Wildlife Fund. And what they're doing, they're, they're looking for young superstars under 25, workplace workers and community champions. And it's for people who can make a difference to the planet. Uh, the search will uh, will actually take place, uh, I think, on Saturday the 28th of March 2015. But the closing date is this coming Friday. This coming Friday. So what you've got to do, actually, is uh, it's for those people who want to care about the planet. They're looking to recognise those people who are already going above and beyond. They, you may have raised awareness of green issues, campaign for better recycling at work. We're very recycling here, very. Um, you may have fundraised to install solar panels in a local school or simply encourage family and friends to reduce their own energy usage. Like, you know, turning lights on and off. It's a fairly straightforward thing. Among the judging panel, Simon Jakeman, who's a firefighter from Surrey, whose sustainable rooftop garden and dedication to making Surbiton Fire Station London's greenest fire station got him the Hidden Workplace Award in 2013. And uh, there is a website. And the website is www.wwf.org.uk forward slash hidden heroes. So www.wwf.org.uk forward slash hidden heroes and it might be one of your little treasures who gets that 500 pound prize which is lovely uh breastfeeding is good says julie but most women would want to cover up it's easy to put a, a light cover over yes uh steve i know what you mean about presenters adrian charles really grinds my gears his anti-thatcherism has stopped me watching live football on itv oh, lord they can manage to weave that into football can they nowadays andy the truck driver says and um 
Somebody else was complaining about a Santa Claus that they went to see, and uh, they say uh, here, uh, they went to see him and he sounded like Joe Pasquale. <laughs> I thought that'd be quite funny, actually. Uh, Steve, uh, when I'm taking money from the cash point, I don't have to even look at the keyboard. I've just got one hand, and I just feel what I'm pressing. It works. Here's, um, here's the woman in the papers today. And her name is Louise Burns. She tweeted pictures of herself and her 12-week-old baby. She was having Christmas tea with her mother and sister when her infant needed feeding. OK. So, so she's got happy pictures. And so she's doing that. I started feeding when the waiter hurried over with a huge napkin, knelt down and said it was policy to cover up. Uh, my initial reaction was to burst into tears. God, honestly. God save us from weepy people at Christmas. She says, uh, it was my third baby. I had trouble breastfeeding the first two, but this was going well. I didn't expect to be admonished in a central London hotel. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. She works in financial services. Says she felt very awkward and wanted to leave. But her mother and sister had come down from uh, from the Midlands. And uh, they'd been doing this for a few years. She said the waiter was polite, as was a supervisor. Exactly. But, of course, you're more than happy to tweet pictures of you breastfeeding. I've never heard of somebody breastfeeding and then taking photographs of it. But she says, I felt so humiliated. I was being so discreet. Doesn't look very discreet to me. It looks like you're breastfeeding in a public place where people are eating their afternoon tea. And uh, on its website, the NHS says you should never be made to feel uncomfortable about breastfeeding in public. Yes, I mean, I agree. Not when people are having their tea, though. You know, you shouldn't be made to feel uncomfortable about it, but, you know, not when people are having their tea. Apparently, there's all sorts of websites and everything else. The The hotel offered a £75 discount, and the supervisor expressed that she'd come back. But she said, such a shame, I can never go back. Oh, a bit of a drama queen, aren't you, dear? Her husband, Nick, is an actor. He plays Nathan Barley. I've got no idea who Nathan Barley... Who's Nathan Barley? What's that? Is that in some thing that we're supposed to... Oh, it's a comedy show. Oh, God. But apparently, Lucy Bunting said, under the 2010 Discrimination Act... Oh, my Godfathers. Asking a breastfeeding mother to cover up is illegal and disgusting behaviour. Another well, she's got seventy five quid out of it in a picture in the paper, but she looks very happy, very happy, even after she covered up. So, at what point did she burst into tears? Oh dear, it's just it's it's just almost. We must have run out of stories to talk about. We must have run out of things. There's just nothing left. He was born in Derbyshire, and he's in oh, he's been in the Bill and everything else. He's been in something strangely called Hard to Swallow. The IT crowd, and a few other things as well. Does it really make any difference what he does for a living? I mean, at the end of the day, she's breastfeeding, and they just go, it's policy, you know, she can just cover up, make it more discreet. So she does, but she's still smiling. So I sort of beg to ask the difference about, you know, when, when she burst into tears and felt humiliated. Everybody feels humiliated, don't they? God damn, that's like, people just need to get a life, I think, nowadays. Otherwise, it becomes quite tedious. It means that, you know, we're turning into this stupid nation of wusses. And uh, Julie said, it's good. Oh, I've just done that one, I see. But, uh, but people can cover up. You know, it's, uh, what, what's different about it? You know, why don't, I'll tell you what, you know, why don't you just whap them out in the middle of, you know, Piccadilly Circus and have it done that way? I just don't understand why. You know, people have made such a big issue about it, they asked politely. And they gave you £75 back, so you got your money back for your tea. I don't know. Uh, Steve, says Samantha, my little niece can sing. So we took her down to audition for the Queen's down the last three back in May. Very proud. And, uh, <laughs> the black cab poet says, I saw the breastfeeding woman on television. She had that, uh, Popper Middleton, oh no, not another TV camera glint in her eye. She thinks some people just crave it. So she'd already been on television being interviewed already. She'll probably turn up on this morning. 
That's what people do nowadays, don't they? They sort of, If in doubt, you can always pick out who this morning you're going to be going for. Let's do breastfeeding again. That's a fairly good one. Um, Mike Tyndall, rugby player. Uh, Joe in Acton says, who wants to watch a woman breastfeeding a baby? The trouble is, not a case you want to watch, it's a case of it's a bit just distracting, isn't it? A little bit distracting. Uh, another one here. Um, Andy says, what special food would be included in your Christmas meal? Actually, I was talking to one of our girls upstairs earlier on, and her son uh, goes to school, and he they have very nice food. And she said the other day he came home and they'd had cauliflower cheese and roast potatoes. Sounded quite delicious. Quite delicious. Uh, Front pages of the papers. This is so you know what's going on in the world. 50,000 people at risk of losing their home. Sky-high cost of housing, leaving families on the brink of eviction. That's on the front of the, uh, the Metro for today. Front of the Mail. The greatest gift a mum can give her daughter, her womb, has been transplanted so she can give birth. UK doctors have hailed a world first. Uh, Daily Star. Jimmy Jungle is fixed. He says that they showed him in a bad light. Well, I suppose you could say that about anybody. But, you know, they can't put words into your mouth if you go into the jungle. And so they've kicked him out. It's, um, you know, it's just a bit... They all whinge about it afterwards, don't they? Listen, you've got your money. Shut up. Go away. Go away. Daily Mirror this morning. Maddie Cops quiz Brit Pedo in Malta Prison. I still ask the question. Why do they assume it's a paedophile? Why not a family? Why not a mother? Why not a single person who just wanted to have a child? Who know- Nobody knows. You've got no idea. They're, they're interviewing some people today. Eleven, apparently. Uh, four last week were suspects. Now they've said none of them are suspects. They're just interviewing them because they were there at the time and might have seen something. Well, I don't know about you, but I can't remember last Thursday, so there's no point remembering something from years and years ago. Snow is on the way. That's what they've said. So that's bad news. Well, it's, it's bad news if you're having to drive in it for a living because there's going to be accidents all over the place because some people, they don't teach you. When you learn to drive, they don't teach you how to drive in bad weather. They don't teach you how to drive uh, on a motorway. You get none of that kind of stuff. You just pass your driving test and immediately you're on the motorway. I've seen people, they just pull right out in front of you. I generally shout obscenities like, thank you, strap your guide dog on the roof. He'll tell you what's behind you next time. But, you know, driving in bad weather conditions, and I would include snow as those bad weather conditions, you're not taught about that on the driving test. Perhaps we need to re- revise the driving test. Women told it's safer to give birth at home. Shock official advice. And that's on the front page of the Mirror, and the other papers will come round to in a moment, because it's quarter past six. Hi. Steve Allen on LBC. 6.20, Steve Allen's early breakfast. Nick Ferrari and the team at 7 this morning as the Chancellor prepares to give his autumn statement. Nick will be asking, is £15 million towards dementia care a worthwhile cause? Plus, oh, here we go, should the breastfeeding mother have been ordered to cover up in Claridge's? Well, just be discreet. Just be discreet. That's all after the morning news with Lisa Aziz at 6.30. Hugh Muir, assistant editor at The Guardian, will be looking at the papers this morning for Nick Ferrari. It's going to run, that one. Breastfeeding always runs, as they say. It's, it's sort of a favourite topic. Everybody goes, it's outrageous. She should be allowed to breastfeed. Well, yes, we're not saying that. Of course you can breastfeed. It's just that there are people who come now to this country from other countries where they've never seen things like this going on. And it's tantamount to pornography. Whether or not, you know, the child is hungry, I'm not interested. I'm more interested in the fact that if you're sitting there having afternoon tea at Claridge's, I don't want to see somebody breastfeeding. I'm sorry, I just don't want to see it. Especially if she looks as happy as Larry breastfeeding. So when the crying came, and I don't know, but as everybody's pointed out, she seems to be milking it. 
The XMP you're talking about is Lord Ashcroft. You often hear on Ian Dale's show. I know it's an old... I'm sorry to use old uh, old gags. Not my fault. Uh, Julietta says, uh, I'm in the northern quarter of Manchester, but blimey, it was cold yesterday. And um, I uh, managed to escape from the disorientating Arndale Centre and get to the Any Trouble gig. Great crowd singing along to all the songs. It was, it was fantastic. Meeting my friend Francis near the town hall later with the Christmas markets and then a train bar. My brother's going on the QE2... QM2 to Brussels. They're doing the Christmas markets. That's a good idea, isn't it? I quite like that. Uh, 84850 Steve at uk. Uh, why do people like brand lemon get airtime, says Sam? I don't know. Because people like that kind of thing. If, if you're a bit bland and you're, you're beige, they're not, they're not really that interested, are they, I'm afraid? Victoria Crosses are made by Hancock Jewellers in Burlington Arcade Piccadilly, says Richard. Each of the crosses... Cast from bronze from two cannons captured from the Russians during the Crimean War. Really? Oh, you told me something I didn't know. I did not know. Mark says, uh, pigs on aircraft, which we had the other day in America. People breastfeeding at close quarters. I might go for Claridge's for tea myself and request a commode and add to the atmosphere. Yes, I mean, I have to be honest. Can't you just see it now? I'm almost predicting there's going to be one of these websites. They're going to be inviting all these women to go down to Claridge's and just breastfeed. Or as many of you seem to call it, exhibitionism. Uh, Adrian says... And uh, really enjoyed your underwear discussion yesterday. <laughs> we were talking about why fronts making a comeback, if you remember, on the programme. And um, Pat says, I want to buy a Christmas tree. What, recommend- what recommendation would you advise? A dead one. I think a dead one would be appropriate. You know, you can buy ones in pots if you like. It depends. Uh, Philip says, you've just made me realise how desperately unattractive I must be. Not only don't I get gorgeous Russian girls falling over themselves to meet me, I don't even get fraudsters pretending to be gorgeous Russian girls falling over themselves. Oh dear, you really are. You, I mean, you are akin to the elephant man, quite clearly. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Suzanne um, we weren't talking about everybody on benefits. I think everybody should be off benefits. People should be out there working for a living. There must be something you can do, OK, even where you are. Um, Ollie says, I'm also paranoid about taking money out of cash points, mainly in case the wife is nearby. Once they see the money coming out, you know what it's like. And uh, June says, uh, Father Christmas lives at our house. Oh, that's a very good Father Christmas, and his name is Trevor. There we go. Frightened the producer a little bit, because he hasn't... He's been Father Christmas, so he knows all about being Father Christmas. Uh, another one here, very quick. Let's try and whiz through these as possible. Quick as possible. Um, wait a minute. Uh, on the subject of uh, Beckham. Uh, have you heard that Audi are going to run an advert with the caption, Bend it like Beckham? Yes. Somebody did ask me whether it was a free car. I said, I've got no idea. And... Um, uh, somebody says, I'd like to answer your question on why Russian girls want to meet you. It's because you're extremely charismatic and witty. There you go, you see? I found Russian girls all over the place. All over the place. They can't get enough of this programme. They really can't. Uh, on the topic of breastfeeding, Steve, it's actually more natural to go to the loo, but we don't do that in front of everybody. Uh, yes. Uh, Sarah says, anybody can breastfeed anywhere, but Claridge's afternoon tea room is a very intimate area. It is, actually. I mean, I don't want to go for afternoon tea. I'm quite glad she said she's not going there again. That means that we that we can all go. That we can all go. Um, Steve, is it true? Uh, it's so true. They won't teach you how to drive in the snow and in the rain and how the car is reacting on different surfaces. That's why there's so many people without an imagination on the street. I'm more worried that people are actually driving when they've never driven in bad conditions. And if we get snow this year, I think really it's it's going to be 
something really, really bad. Because there's going to be... Every year there's accidents, you know, once you get these pilots... I, I see people whizzing down the motorways. I seriously get quite, quite worried by it. Quite worried by it. Because I'm always very aware, always very aware of what's actually going on around me. I'm not bothered about my driving, because I know that I'm actually a very good driver. Very good driver. But then I... Um, but then I watch other people and I think, oh, gosh, dangerous. Uh, the Daily Express Day, the diet that will add years to your life. Uh, the Big Freeze ready to blast in. Madonna wants to be the queen of shock. Uh, the son of doing the Russell Brand, he rants against the high rents and tax avoidance. But he pays £76,000 a year to a landlord who's registered offshore. And uh, we brand Russell Brand. Daily Telegraph, help for the high street in the fight with the online firms. You see, already they're pleading poverty. Already. We go down that route, oh, we can't cope with the online people, it's all terrible, it's not good at all. The girl who's outdone J.K. Rowling, she looks slightly odd, slightly odd. Her name is uh, Zoella. She's a YouTube blogger, she's obviously very successful, but she's just got one of those faces that makes you know just what sort of voice she's got underneath there. Uh, the Independent, got a nice picture of, uh, of a head of George Osborne's autumn statement. This is an austerity campaigner. How Frozen has hit the jackpot for Christmas. I mean, it really has. It's just absolutely unbelievable. And a senior Tory has warned that Cameron will have to cut NHS spending. All of that and more contained within the pages of the papers. But as Nick Ferrari is going to be talking about breastfeeding this morning, I'm sure that that will get people going. And, uh, and everybody will say exactly the same. Of course you have a right to breastfeed wherever you want. But I don't actually think that when people are having afternoon tea, it's acceptable. You know, there are ways of doing it. And as I say, she looks perfectly happy being photographed with the napkin there and everything else. I mean, if she'd looked as though she was about to burst into tears, I could have understood it. But uh, you, get the, you get the feeling it might be attention-seeking. So Nick will be talking about that, and he'll be talking about the Chancellor and his autumn statement. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. Gosh, Thursday already. It's very cold outside. Wrap up well today. And uh, I'll have a free podcast for you up in about 20 minutes' time. We can actually get it done by about quarter two if we put our, put our mind to it. You can listen to LBC whenever and wherever you like. Download the LBC app or there's TuneIn Radio 2. And if you missed any of today's Steve Allen show, there's also our podcast service. Coming up at seven, Nick Ferrari. Breastfeeding, I predict, will be the hot topic today. But next, it's Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LBC. LBC.